What's up? I'm John Huertas. I play Miguel on This Is Us. And right now, I'm on the Below the Belt show. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. That's right. It's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt Show. In the house, I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host with the most. And this is a Filipino panel right now. <laughs> Can I say that? Can I say that? Yes. Joining us on BTB, uh, one of our favorite recurring co-hosts. She is voiceover talent extraordinaire, and she's a great mom. The adorable one, Ali Dash, back on BTB. Yes, thank you so much for having me back. Oh, you're amazing. Uh, thank you uh, for gracing us with your your uh, voice, talent extraordinaire presence. <laughs> uh, and when I mentioned Filipino panel, it's kind of interesting. Yes. Uh, speaking of Filipino, uh, if I could shamelessly plug um, the 48-hour film project in Washington, D.C., where I got to participate with an incredible, talented filmmaker named Francis Abbey, who is actually half Filipino himself, kind of like yourself, Allie. That's uh, awesome. worked with him on a project 10 years ago, roughly, more or less, give or take, called Six Non-Smokers, uh, which is a feature-length film. And uh, he posted about needing Filipino actors. I guess he had in mind he wanted to do his next project with an all-Filipino cast. And... Uh, I reached out and uh, told him I, that I was available. Um, he wanted me to send him some audition tapes, which I did, uh, just to kind of get a, a feel of uh, my delivery, I guess, and what characters I've done in the past. And uh, he said I did a great job. I wasn't expecting uh, that he would cast me uh, as the lead in this particular uh, film, but it's uh, pretty much centers around a house guest. And the title of the film is called The House Guest. Um, it's going to screen. That's fantastic. At, yeah. you, um, you say you play? I play a house guest that's not very welcome. And I got to use my Filipino accent. So I kind of channeled in my inner. That's awesome. Can we hear it? Albert Soto. I channeled my inner Albert Soto from my dad and channeled that into my character. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. The whole time. Uh, And uh, Francis was impressed. Even even his wife, who's a native uh, from the Philippines, said that uh, that I was authentic enough uh, and passable. Uh, So um, it's going to be a part of Block B of the 48 hour film project. 
Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. And, I really um, wanted to submit to it. Yeah, that would have been great to have oh, another Kanaya. That would have been. Or, I know, I right? Hope he does. Does he have any plans in the future? If he does, uh, that would if be he awesome. does, Allie, we got to get you on board for sure. I know. I, know. I was in Pennsylvania for the for the weekend, but but yeah, that's awesome. I Thank love you. that because you don't see a lot of. Um, that's the thing, you know. Um, like I think all. I mentioned on the show about Joe Coy's Easter Sunday film, which is um one of the first mainstream uh, movies that's an American-made film uh, featuring a mostly Filipino cast. And he's got a lot of his comedian buys. Joe Coy, if you heard of him, he's a very well-known, renowned uh, comedian uh, who's also half Filipino, uh, and awesome. talks about his uh, a lot about his uh, Filipino upbringing from his mom. And uh, uh, he's a great comedian, and uh, we kind of want to mimic that for this film, you know, with the with the all Filipino cast and stuff. So, um, so it's going to be a part of the 48-hour film project in DC. This is for. Uh, listeners in the DMV area. Um, if you ever wanted to meet yours truly, if you wanted to see uh, yours truly uh, on the big screen in a short film, which is an hysterical comedy um, with the genre of mistaken identity, that's the genre, check out the 48-hour film project in DC. And um, Group B will screen on Thursday, May 26th at 7 p.m. And, that's uh, awesome. Look for Francis Abbey, which is the film director and producer um, in that list of films. So what they do is they clump all the 48-hour films in one in one uh, group. It's basically what they do, and they have three groups. So pretty exciting, man. You know, I got to work with a lot of great actors. One, um, I actually, interesting enough, worked on a corporate industrial earlier in the week. And by just weird coincidence just crazy coincidence worked on him on, on the 48 hour film uh and his name is ian so shout out to ian um and just some great great talent and actors and uh yeah but that's enough plugging for me guys <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about uh, some awesome stuff in the world of entertainment um joining us a little later in the program will be dean rogers from the rogers review um and uh Dean and I actually got to attend a really cool red carpet last night for Downton Abbey, a new era, and uh, it was it was a great time. Um, very very proper, very British uh, red carpet, and uh, it you know is in a the very fancy uh, National Portrait Gallery. And <laughs> so awesome. I'm accents today, I can do all that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get to uh, interview any great um, any of the cast? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Awesome. I got to interview the two cast members that were in attendance, Joanne Froggett and Elizabeth McGovern. Yeah. And one of the producers producers as well. So uh, that's going to be a lot later uh, on BTB when we can post uh, those interviews because we still have a lot of uh, pre-recorded content from the Creative Coalition. And tonight's pre-recorded interviews are going to be Singer extraordinaire Katie Tunstall, you might remember the song Black Horse and Cherry Tree. I talked to her, and I also talked to actress Kyla Pratt, who you I might love know her from yes, the Call Proud Me Cat. Family. Oh yeah, that 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 is well, <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. And Call Me Cat, incidentally, was renewed for season three. So congratulations to the cast of Call Me Cat. See, I haven't seen that show, Ali, but I have seen Call Me Cat uh, as a Miami I need, Alex I still fan. Need to watch. 
Yeah, I tune in for that. And uh, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. So that's gonna be um um some um content that we're gonna play on the show. And tomorrow on BTB, um, we're gonna be interviewing. This is gonna be great because this is gonna be inserted in post into this week's show. I'm happy to uh, welcome back to BTB. From the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett. This is really exciting, guys. Emily Swallow, the the armorer. Uh, we're going to do a special interview uh, with her as well. And that's going to be at the end of the program. So already a power-packed show, guys. So that's without further ado, let's uh, talk about some stuff in the world of entertainment. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, that's right. Benji and Joel. Good Charlotte. Hollywood News. All right. So, uh, wow. Where can we begin? I mean, geez. Well, um let's start with the box office we usually do that right um and it's no surprise no surprise dr strange in the multiverse of madness for the second weekend in the row is the number one movie uh no surprise there guys i mean an additional i'm gonna stop you real fast um because i feel like i'm such a huge marvel fan and i feel mm-hmm. i feel ashamed of myself um you haven't but i seen actually it have not seen it yet so no spoilers, please. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know that we talked about Doctor Strange last week. Awesome. You're going to be okay with that. So uh, <laughs> the, the film picked up an additional $61 million. Awesome. Second weekend in North America. Yes, listeners, last week's uh, episode of BTB, you can hear um, <laughs> our review of everything and spoilers and Easter eggs and end credits. Awesome. How was it? Doctor Strange. It was great. It was awesome. uh, very different. Um, it, it has like a had, very horror element. It had a horror elements to it, which is something uh, very different. And is uh, directed by Sam Raimi, who's known for the original Spider-Man yes. movie with Tobey Maguire. Uh, so it was in good hands. Um, there might be a few things that uh, uh, we know might be debatable. Chachi, B2B's own Chachi McFly, had a problem with a young actress that played America. Chavez thought that she was a really bad actress um, that took away a lot from the film. Um, I wouldn't say she's Oscar winning worthy, but I think she's a young actress that that will probably get better in time. Um, but uh, overall, you know, I think what what really um, what really was really great about um, Doctor Strange was how dark it was, and we alluded to this last week. So we're gonna that would get into the spoiler of how dark some of the scenes were uh which involved some surprise characters uh, but you'll find out Allie, when you watch it so cool. yeah i've been i've been able to steer clear from spoilers thankfully okay <laughs> but i can't wait to see it because like yeah. i love elizabeth olsen um oh, and like scarlet witch has become like my favorite um second to spider-man second to spider-man mm-hmm. well, you need to get your butt to the theater <laughs> check it out <laughs> Uh, let's see. Rounding up the top five is Bad Guys, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and it's an, a weekend newcomer is Firestarter, which was the remake of Drew Barrymore's 1984 film about 
the young girl that could you know create fire with pyrotechnic abilities um also st- starred zach efron that only uh, debuted at number four surprisingly uh only drew in 3.8 million so that was a pretty pretty abysmal debut uh for that film and then uh, rounding up the top five is a film that i still need to see is everything everywhere all at once um which uh is another multiverse type of movie which i haven't seen awesome. yet, so. um of course uh this weekend downton abbey a new era drops but we'll save that for uh when dean joins us because he's at that uh particular event uh with us last night all right so number one on my list with movies let's talk about stuff going on with the Cannes film festival so that's the big festival i mean sundance is huge tribeca is huge Cannes is 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 arguably the biggest of them all and um one of the blockbusters that um, headlined the Cannes Film Festival was Top Gun Maverick. Allie, have you seen the original Top Gun? I have not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty iconic. It's a very I American know. movie. It's Tom Cruise at his best. But um, actually, Tom Cruise received a thunderous ovation as he was presented with a surprise Palme d'Or the Palme d'Or is, is like the 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 best uh, one of the best films at the festival, and Top Gun Maverick won. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Awesome. Uh, uh, but uh, I guess what is surprising, I mean, it is it was actually well reviewed. It's a film that's very well reviewed. But typically, the big blockbusters don't go to the Cannes Film Festival. That's usually for um, films that don't have a studio behind them. But mm-hmm. uh, in this case, I guess they made an exception. And uh, yeah, I mean, a standing ovation. Uh, everybody loved the film that saw it. Apparently, it it was at one point 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's a positive sign. Yeah, that's. So um, I don't. Good. I think it's hovering around 98. Last I checked. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the big movie that's coming out um, next weekend, I believe, for the Memorial Day weekend. So we're looking really forward to that one. Another big movie that made a lot of waves at Cannes is. A zombie movie, a French zombie movie. Uh, it's called uh, Final Cut, and the French word is coupe. Received a five-minute standing ovation. Wow. Yeah, five minutes, right? That's fantastic. Apparently, the, they say the tone of this film is like the Blair Witch Project and Call My Agent. That's what they're saying. Interesting. Um, two very interesting films to be compared to. Um, and... Uh, you know what? If it's you know, that's a thing. Um, the Cannes Film Festival obviously embraces international film, so you're gonna get films like you know Parasite that won the Oscar, you know, a few mm-hmm. years ago, right? And speaking of uh, Korean film, uh, Lee Jung Jae, who starred in Squid Game. Ali, have you had a chance to watch Squid Game, or is that a little too gory and violent? No, I actually want to. I actually want to see it. It looks okay. really good, but I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet. Yeah, well, I know. But- but the kids I, I really need to a... watch that one for sure. Yeah, my my daughter wants to watch it, but we're Ooh. like, mm. and she'll be, I'm like maybe because she watched like Haunting of Hill House and okay. stuff like that. But I feel like Squid Game. I'm like that. Yeah, it definitely. Takes I don't know. Like we have to watch it first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she'll be 13 this summer. Okay. But maybe. But I'm like. Squid Games might be. She's like, oh, like everyone at school's watched it. Oh really. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe for her 13th birthday, she'll let her watch it. Yeah. If she still wants to watch it by then. But uh, the lead actor, uh, Lee Jung-jae, 
actually directed a film at Cannes. It's called Hunt. It's a spy movie. And um, he's actually the first Asian to win a Critics' Choice and Screen Actors Guild Award for lead actor in a drama series for Squid Game. Um, so, uh, and I do have some news on Squid Game, which we'll get a little bit when we cover Netflix stuff. Also, uh, in the Cannes Film Festival, there's um, a business counterpart of Cannes called the Marché de Film, which is the film market, <laughs> which uh, is, is one of the largest film markets in the world where they sell uh, films that maybe not necessarily in the festival, but they sell films to distributors. And one of the one of the more talked about ones is In Vitro. Um, it's an elevated sci-fi thriller starring Ashley Zuckerman from Succession and Tanya Zucker from Lake Mungo. Very creepy and intriguing plot here. It's uh, set on a remote cattle property in the near future where a woman and her husband have been experimenting with biotechnology and developing illegal breeding methods. So I guess they're, are they breeding cows with like mutant powers or are they crossbreeding cows and sheep? I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I guess some crazy things will happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really was intrigued by this plot line. So this is one of the films um, that made waves there. Um, and uh, if Oleg, formerly Oleg the Gay Russian, now Alex the Fierce was with us tonight, he would really love what's number number two on my list, the, the first trailer for the movie Bros. It's a, a gay rom-com by Billy Eichner, and we got to hang out with oh. Billy Eichner actually at the White House Correspondents' Dinner after party. And uh, the first trailer just dropped, and um, there was a cringy moment, i, I got to be honest with you, because if I can be honest, and... It has to do with Jason Momoa. They literally said one of the, this is in the fucking trailer. And this is just, just blows my mind. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> he says um, the character uh, that Eichner plays, Bobby Liber, he's seen on a podcast talking about Holly producers wanting him to write the rom-com about gay people. So it's kind of like a, um, I guess a podcast within a movie kind of thing, I guess. Um, and then he says, Am I going to be in the middle of some high school chase and all of a sudden fall in love with Ice Cube? Am I going to get butt fucked by Jason Momoa by wearing about a about a volcano? I'm like, dude, did you run this by Jason Momoa before? Like, cause think about <laughs> this. If it was, let's just say it was a, a straight rom com and they said I'm going to butt fuck, you know, just any woman, you know, imagine the uproar and how angry people would be, but. Oh, because of Jason, he can just laugh it off. It's a guy, you know. I really. I wonder if they did get permission. I they might have. They, they, they must, must had to have because they probably that, did. And that's like. And right I feel like Jason trailer. Momoa probably. He would probably would have been fine. It, yeah. I feel like they would have like I, I don't know. I feel like they would have had to ask for permission. I would thing. hope so, yeah. Because if they just did it and they get, didn't get permission, I mean, they figured, figured they can get away with it because Jason's a good guy and has a sense of humor. I don't think he wants to get buck fuck. <laughs> I think he likes women, but uh, <laughs> never know. <laughs> well, you know, he, he did uh, split from Lisa Bonet, but now he's kind of Jason Momoa is now um, dating uh, Isa Gonzalez. Oh, oh, I thought they. Yeah. I need to keep up. I need to keep up with yeah, my he, celebrity news because I thought they got back together. They got supposedly they got back together. They wanted to give it one more shot, but it decided it just wasn't working out the second time. So. 
which does happen. Um, oh, well, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> All right, number three on my list. This is um, movies and production. So Leah Sado, um from The Crimes of the Future, which is a, a film that's going to be at um, the Cannes Film Festival, which that's another big one. We talked about that one before with Kristen Stewart. Uh, she's going to be in a new film called The Beast, and it's a decade-spanning dystopian romance thriller. And basically, this is kind of cool. It's in the near, near future where emotions have a threat. So if you have an emotion of you want to kill somebody, if you want to steal something, almost like uh, that movie um, Minority Report, I think. It seems like it, that's where, what I'm getting from my, what I'm reading. So basically, there is a, a technique where you can purify your own DNA, uh, which will get rid of your past, you know, and any strong feelings you might have. So those strong feelings that might be want for you to kill somebody, you know, um, because the thought and the emotion could get you, uh, you know, arrested or, um, and that's kind of an interesting thing. So and, and the fact that DNA's uh, a DNA uh, machine. Uh, can purify uh, purify your DNA. It's that sounds interesting. I'm a huge dystopian fan. Yes. Um, yes. So I'm gonna have to look it up. I looked up at the Beast and I couldn't find it. The Beast. Yeah. So it's in production. You look uh, on. You said Kristen Stewart stars in it. Well, no. So the Beast. Um, Kristen Stewart is in a movie with Leah Sadeau. Um, at Cannes, but she was. But her next film is gonna be the Beast. But the film with Kristen gotcha. Stewart is called Crimes of the Future. That's Very actually cool. another. Very creepy premise of the film, too. <laughs> uh, and if it's, uh, ooh, that's one of the creepiest, cre- creepiest trailers I've ever seen is that Crimes of the Future, if you get a chance to see it. We'll have to check that out. Oh, it does. It looks creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> it's that, really, that looks super, super creepy. Super duper creepy. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Number four, I'm really excited that they're actually going to be doing a Hunger Games prequel. I am so excited. So I read, um, I'm, you huge, actually read Thou to the Songbirds huge, and Snakes? I did. I pre-ordered it um, and read it back in 2020. Um, oh, so the book good. came out in 2020, and that's actually when they announced. So I knew they were making a film um, back in 2020 when the book came out. Um, but I'm so excited that it's uh, they, ca- yeah. they cast the main character, um, Cornelius. And I, I mean, right. I really enjoyed I didn't love it as much as The Hunger Games, but it was okay. still really good and very fascinating to see snows like what made him the man yep. um, i don't know if you're familiar if you've well, seen the original trilogy president cory lana snow was played by donald sutherland yes right so this is yeah years years before the hunger games that we mm-hmm. watched and uh it's young young us coraliano snow and it's played by tom Blythe, best known for billy the kid and the gilded age he definitely so. looks like um, he's going to be a really good snow. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Does he have any resemblance? Uh, not much of a resemblance to Donald Sutherland, though, no? Not so much, but just like the character. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to embody the character uh, very well. It was an interesting book. I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the plot? Like, it's sure. Does it really start with uh, Snow's like rise and fall, basically, or how he becomes this evil dictator mm-hmm. of sorts it does and it's interesting because he doesn't end up really um these are some slight spoilers um mm. for anyone listening in um but 
because it doesn't really you kind of understand him more but he's not very much like a sympathetic character like he didn't have like some like crazy thing he there was always hints of that power hungry person he was not okay. the evil snow that he ends up becoming right that we've seen in, uh, all the other films right doesn't surprise me um and i really enjoyed it because it was it was the very first so you see the very first hunger games and um the very first okay. and, and the the origin part of, of um and he is part of the one of the judges um so being the first hunger games there were no past victors to right. coach and so he is ends up being put in 12 so he ends up being the coach for 12 and it also kind of shows why he hated katniss so much and oh, his wow. grudge towards the 12th district um but he ends up falling for the um the girl that is selected um oh, to compete in the okay. hunger games um so he ends up falling for her and oh, i'm really bad at like at explaining things that's but okay no, i highly the, recommend we gotta have a love story tied into people yeah. you know it's fighting for their lives and survival story. game you know <laughs> um that's why i think if you love the hunger games you probably love squid game i yes. think just squid game just takes it to another crazy level um what else is in production number five of my list is Jon Snow's new movie, that's Kit Harrington. It's um all about the Mary um Shelley, who is uh, Mary's monster is the um is the uh, I believe the mother of Frankenstein, I believe. Yeah. I have to verify that. I think that's Wait, who that is. There's the Mary uh, I didn't hear about this. I am a huge Mary Shelley fan. Tell me who Mary Shelley is in the <gasps> She's the author of Frankenstein. The author. She okay. wrote Frankenstein. Okay, great. So this is um, what it is. She was a teenage girl and like she's like the queen of like the mother of science fiction. Um, but yeah, she wrote it was her, um, Percy Shelley, um, Lord Byron. They were all um together. Um I guess like forgot where they went but it was raining and so they all stayed in and they made a bet who could write the creepiest or the best ghost story and so they all wrote a story and mary shelley mm. wrote frankenstein um which ended up becoming okay. like and her so, whole family like I'm i wasn't completely wrong because i said uh, frankenstein's mother she is, but yeah she is the mother she is of the mother technically of the fictional character mm -hmm. so i got a little thrown off there but yes thank you for She's that amazing. my god I've well, it's going to be a biopic about her, awesome. you know? And I will it's definitely going to be star checking that out. Jon Snow from Game of Thrones, Kit Harington, is also going to star as Mary Shelley, Clara Rugard. Um, and, um, and, and Kit, Kit Harington is set to play the monster. Oh, very cool. Interesting, interesting. So that should be really, really cool. I'm looking forward to this now. Sounds pretty awesome, yeah. Um, and of course, you know, for you Game of Thrones Thrones fans, you gotta love, you know, anything with Jon Snow in it, you know? <laughs> That's why I enjoyed The Eternals, even though some people didn't like it, but I was kind of like in the fanboy of Game of Thrones watching, like, you know, Jon Snow and uh, <laughs> and the other Stark brother, you know? Rob Stark, you know, in that film. All right, number six, uh, 
Pete Davidson, I mean, he he must be the luckiest man on earth because not only is he dating some of Hollywood's hottest, currently with Kim Kardashian, but he is not only doing Saturday Night Live, but he's getting movie roles. And um, this and they're is, making a movie on his life. And they're making actually a series on his life on Peacock. Or series. Yeah, yeah. With uh, Edie Falco is playing his mother uh, from Sopranos. But now he's got a movie... Um, called Wizards, and it's from uh, Australian writer and director David Mashad, where which stars Pete Davidson, Frank Rogowski, Naomi Scott, and Sean Harris. Um, so uh, it centers on two hapless pothead beach bar operators. <laughs> I think that's perfect. That's, yeah, Davidson. I was just thinking that. That's literally the role. <laughs> literally <laughs> of a role meant like tailor made for Pete Davidson. Um, all right, number seven. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Star Wars. As you know, that's my favorite fandom, Mally Dash. You know that. This is, um, I guess, not really news, but just interesting uh, insight. Um, Kathleen Kennedy uh, did an interview with Vanity Fair and um, basically admitted that casting Alden Ehrenreich to play the younger version of Han Solo was a mistake. They said that although he was a good actor... It's just that, you know, it ended up being a flop. This is the Ron Howard directed solo movie, you know, if if you recall. And I she was quoted, it. Yeah, I mean, I liked it too, you know, and it's Star Wars, you know, it's gotta be really, really bad for me to not like it. But <laughs> uh, basically uh Kathy Kenny was saying that there should be some moments along the way where you learn things. Now it does seem so abundantly clear we can't do that. And um Basically, uh, she said that it made a lot of money, but did not live up to expectations. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it relied very heavy on nostalgia, which I did yeah. love that aspect. And we saw the origin of Han and Chewie. Mm-hmm. But I think with with the advances and deepfakes now, you really don't need to cast a younger um, actor. Yeah, to I'm not the biggest fan of when they do that because I, I can like it makes them like see, look weird did you see boba fett the book of boba fett i haven't the luke skywalker yet. was just i mean it it's, not, it's not perfect but it's better than season two of mandalorian it's better than season two of mandalorian okay that's and is it better than which was it where we saw i'm trying to i think it was in rogue one rogue one was like i forgot his name with brad moff tarkin yeah, yeah, and, princess, and, and every time Leia. I saw him, I'm like, it looked yeah. so weird. It looked weird, and fake, but they've made so many strides and improvements on the deep fake. It has they been really have. many years. Yeah, I really That's... think they have. And, uh, I mean, you've seen Mandalorian Season 2, right? Yeah. Okay. What did you think of Luke Skywalker in that? Better? It was better. better um, but not I mean, perfect, I'd, right? I'd rather see that, though. Like, in that case... I wouldn't yeah. have wanted to see them cast a different Luke Skywalker, so I actually really did enjoy right. seeing it. Um, yeah. But I think, like, in the case of, like, Solo, like, a whole movie. Okay, that's with... fair. You know what? You're right, because it would have been, it would have been very expensive to do that technology mm-hmm. throughout the entire two-and-a-half-hour movie, for sure. And that makes sense. I have to say, Marvel, like, even, like, years and years ago, like, they are amazing at, like, aging down um like the technology yeah. in their films yeah. um are very believable 
that's a thing. I mean, and you know, Disney owns Marvel and uh, Star Wars. And I think if they were to do it again, they, they should just de-age Harrison Ford because they have the technology. They but, could do that. But like you said, in an entire movie, it might be too noticeable. It's, yeah. yeah. I think it's different when it's like a, a role um, in a series, yeah. but when it's like the main character in the whole film. That's a very good point, Allie. Yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit more Star Wars because I'm excited. Number eight on my list is stuff on Disney+. Plus. Um, and as you know, <clears throat> we've talked about on the show. May 27th, the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I'm really excited. And uh, Christian Christensen, Hayden Christensen, reprises his role as Anakin Skywalker. And he was quoted as saying, watching, and he's talking about basically the new appreciation for the prequels. So the prequels kind of got a little hate when they came out. Um, but um, it's starting to get some new love, uh, a new uh, adoration as this uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series takes place directly after the prequels. Oh, know? that's awesome. Yeah. So um, exciting. It it's is exciting. funny because the first, because um, like everyone hated the prequels when they came out. But for me, mm-hmm. um, that was the very, the um, first of the prequels was my very first Star Wars movie. Right. Um, that I saw in theaters uh, exactly. when it came out when I was like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So that was actually my um, very first Star Wars film. Um and I remember loving it as a child. Wow, yeah, totally, totally cool, Allie. So um, one thing that uh, Hayden Christensen did say was uh, watching them again as a whole, I was really struck with the quality and depth of the storytelling and George's vision for all of it. It's so nuanced, complex, and layered, really remarkable. And he said when he reunites with Ian McGregor, that's Obi-Wan himself, uh, he said we were very close and we remain close. We hadn't seen each other in a little while, but we got together before we started filming just to catch up. And it was so nice to reconnect with him. I love the man so much. So as you know, yes, we're going to see That's Darth exciting. Vader. We're going to see Darth Vader in That's this amazing. Obi-Wan series on May 27th. I need May to rewatch the prequels in preparation. <laughs> May the fourth be with you indeed. <laughs> um. So also on Disney Plus, another exciting thing is Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts has been tapped to develop a new Star Wars television series. Very cool. Yeah. Star Wars has taken over. Yes. And I think going (laughs) to Disney Plus is kind of like the future. I think they're going to like, you know, the films are going to take a little bit of a hiatus. That's basically what's happening now. Um. So this series, we don't know anything about the plot. No cast has been announced yet. But it's going to um, be deeply rooted um, into the shows that we've already seen. Like The Mandalorian and the Andor series, which is um, Diego Luna's character on Rogue One. uh, And Rosario Dawson's solo Ahsoka series. Um, There's no title or synopsis just yet. But there's a working title, which has nothing to do with the series. It's called Grammar Rodeo, which is a reference to an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> and in this episode of The Simpsons, Bart and his classmates steal a car and run away for a week. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's a, pl- uh, a plot point, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It maybe could be. Could maybe be. an episode. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, um, 
you know, um, John Watts um, directed all three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. So it ought to be good. Yeah, it ought to be good. Yeah, hopefully, because all three of the Spider-Man movies were great, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Marvel on Disney Plus. Let's talk about She-Hulk. Yes. Um, So the the subtitle of She-Hulk series is called Attorney at Law. So She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And I saw the trailer. Uh, I'm excited because it's Marvel. And as you know, I'm a big mm-hmm. Marvel fan. But I think that the special effects still need a little bit it's, of tweaking. Yeah, I'm hoping. Did, did you see that? Did you, did you, yeah, did you... like, because I kept hearing people talk about it. And I watched the trailer. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh. Yeah. It looks like they just, like, use, like, editing to change her, like, color green. Like, it looks very poorly done. Like, it does not look like on par. They went to CG Marvel. green, um, which is what they did. I think they want to be consistent with um, the Hulk, the, which is a CG green monster. They wanted to be consistent because they could have gone the route of Gamora or all the painted characters where they just simply paint paint their skin, you know? Um, but they didn't go that route. They, they wanted to go CG, I guess. At least from what we saw. Maybe there'll be some um, you know, aspects of where they actually paint. I'm hoping they green. like. I'm hoping that the CGI. Yeah. Gets a little better because it just <laughs> it was kind of just weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know it was just something was really off about it, you know. But I mm-hmm. I do believe if they if there is some time that they can uh, improve it um before it drops um you know on it Disney did look Plus. Fun. It looks like a lot of fun, and it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I love how they're just really playing into the comedic aspect of of She-Hulk, which is kind of what the comic book was um, in the late '80s, uh, early '90s. They kind of had a She-Hulk comedy comic book, and Tatiana Maslany, she's an amazing actress. She's an orphan black, and I got to see her Broadway play with Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. Awesome. Um, the play is called Network, and uh, she did a fantastic job in that. But as you know, She-Hulk is the cousin of Bruce Banner, um, and it's Jennifer Walters, and she's an attorney, and uh, she um, she gets a blood transfusion from her cousin, and after the blood transfusion, because I guess because her cousin they have similar blood types, she acquired the powers similar to her cousin, and now she has to learn how to use those powers, um, and. Um, Apparently, she's going to have more control of her powers than her cousin Bruce. Interesting. As you know, Bruce, you know, when he has um, fear or or anger, um, he'll convert into the Hulk. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently, She-Hulk has a lot more control. And I'm curious to see what happens with that aspect, you know? I'll definitely be watching. I wonder I will... if um, we'll see her in any... Uh, Marvel films as that's, well. That's a great point because you know all these series ties in yes. to the movies, which is one thing I just it just makes everything simple. Yes, you know? I love oh. when things tie together. It's a tie together. Yes, I'm a big fan <laughs> of that too. No doubt, no doubt. Um, also uh, in the cast, um, of course, Mark Ruffalo will be appearing, right? I mean, yes. it's, I love Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, as Bruce Banner. Uh, Tim Roth will turn as Emil Blonsky, who is the Abomination. Um, and, uh, he was in the 2008 Incredible Hulk movie, and he was also seen in Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings, if you remember that. And, uh, we also have Jamila Jamil as, uh, the villain, Titiana. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, uh, 
that's awesome um i'm really looking forward to it um again hopefully they tweak tweak the effects yeah. a little bit more that was my only other than that it looks really right. good yeah i know right so they had an upfront presentation to advertisers in new york city uh as kevin feige the marvel chief right marvel studios um mentioned the um premiere date of she hulk but not only that revealed that loki season two will be going into production in a few weeks and the entire cast will be returning so that's great to hear i think that's the first of the marvel disney plus series to get a second season i believe it's awesome yeah and um also talked about um the new secret invasion series on disney plus and nick fury himself sam jackson went on stage to tease secret invasion so very cool. super duper cool uh secret invasion a very very um intriguing and powerful storyline in the marvel comics and if mike the general zod was here he'd be able to talk more about that storyline. <laughs> i love I how much marvel has expanded like who would have thought yeah. back in 08 with the first iron man um like where like it's amazing and like they did what it like some movies later perfection like the way they like it's like i feel like the new stuff just keeps getting better and better like it doesn't feel like it's fizzling yeah. out if anything it's opening more stories and just yeah i don't know i love I, I love the marvel universe i think really the the, the biggest flaw is is um ed norton not not returning only for consistency purposes obviously mark ruffalo does an amazing job but with with a different actor it doesn't it doesn't um it's not as cohesive you know um but you know edward norton didn't want it so what are you gonna do right you're gonna have to recast um all right moving on yeah so netflix stuff let's talk about netflix so netflix has geeked week and basically that's a five-day virtual fan event which premieres exclusive news from the stream from from the streaming platform um and this is going to be taking place June 6th to June 10th. And basically you're going to see new footage about some of the upcoming projects that will be on Netflix. Umbrella um, Academy. Umbrella Academy being one of them. The so Sandman. Sandman. I know uh, myself and General Zod are, are excited about that one, which is based on the Vertigo storyline within DC Comics. So that those are the comics for more mature readers um and um also um the action thriller thriller the gray man and of course stranger things so oh i can't wait for stranger things so that's just really really exciting and um is it this month that um yeah stranger things well well stranger things i believe drops a little little earlier yeah it's may 22nd i do have a, a, a thing on stranger things don't i um stranger things big news um it's coming out on may 27th by the way may 27th okay which is the same date as obi-wan so completely i mean like it's like memorial day weekend you know it's a holiday weekend like and be binge watching (laughs) normally we'd be doing that but i'm actually taking a break on the beach (laughs) oh (laughs) that's awesome i won't be watching anything until the first you know when i return from my trip most likely but um it was just revealed that Stranger Things season four will be nine episodes long. So that's a little longer than the last season, which was eight episodes. And the season will be split into two volumes. The first volume coming out on 
May 27th. And the second volume to come out on July 1st. And the episodes will be considerably longer than previous seasons. Awesome. Yes. So it's going to run more than one hour each. And they said the finale is going to be huge. The finale awesome. will be like feature length almost. So. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. exciting. So oh, episode nine will be feature it length. Looks so good. Yeah, I know. And all the all the kids are growing up now. It's I crazy. Know. They're not yeah. babies anymore. Bobby Brown, Noah Schnapp, Charlie. Well, Charlie Heaton was one of the older kids, but they're all uh, over eighteen now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Easy. most of them are over eighteen. Yeah, I know. And there's that. some that are in their twenties now. Yeah, like that's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. They so were Matt just Duffer, like twelve. <laughs> the showrunner said. The more we were writing, the more we realized we need more time in order for these reveals to land, in order for the storylines to work. Partway through, we knew we needed to ask Netflix for nine episodes instead of eight. And, oh, these are mega long episodes. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and, you know, what's awesome about The Sandman, which is another highlighted um, you know, show for Geeked Week, is they, we got to see Gwendolyn Christie. Brienne of Tarth, uh, in the Sandman um, preview for Netflix, which uh, was you know a favorite comic book of mine from uh, years past. So I'm really looking forward to Netflix Geek Week. But uh, we actually have someone new joining us on the panel. Guys, he is from the Rogers Review. He is journalist extraordinaire. Dean oh, Rogers. Dean. Hello, hello. Hey, Dean. Good to hey, have Allie. you on BTB. Hey, it's great to be back here. We had a uh, heck of a night. And um, and now I'm fully, my stomach's full, so now I can really talk. <laughs> we <laughs> had a heck of a night at the Downton Abbey. Yes. A new era, um, red carpet event, and we'll put a pause on Netflix and we'll go back to Netflix. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Downton Abbey and the event itself, Dean. Um. What a lavish, very royal. I, I felt like one of the royals at this premiere. Absolutely. It was so well put together from the red carpet to, to the venue choice, the National Portrait Gallery, mm-hmm. to, to the, the drinks and the, the food, the catering that, that had a British theme to it. That's um, awesome. Yes, indeed. We have asked for a better event. We had Joanne Froggett. We had Elizabeth McGovern. Mm-hmm. And one of the producers and the British ambassador. Yes, we did. Yeah, one of the producers was uh, Liz Truebridge. Yes. And we had the British ambassador, the Dame Karen Pierce, who was an extra added guest. And I could not help but to gush to talk to her because she's from <laughs> England. I've been to England. It's actually my favorite place to visit. In Me too. Oh, I love England myself. Twice, and it's been 18 years. <laughs> I definitely had to ask her for the people who have never been to England, what are the first three things you got to do. And she named two of the three things I have already done as far as going to England for the first time which were go see Buckingham Palace and go to the countryside, which I've been oh. to the countryside on both trips. And yes. it's amazing. But um, to piggyback on the venue itself, because yes. this is actually the second time that Downton Abbey had, premiere, had a DC premiere in our nation's capital. The first was back in September of 2019. And yes. it was actually at the British residency on... Right. Um, my goodness. 
Embassy, Embassy Row, that's the name. Embassy, Embassy Row. And initially they wanted to bring back the, the second film's premiere to the Embassy, but, you know, it's a, bit, it's a bigger venue, and uh, I think it worked out really well. Bigger venue, and he brought a string quartet to the mix. Right. So it was it really was beautiful. Amazing. It was it was sexy. Uh, there were so many. It was posh. Yes. It was it was excellent. Um, and let's talk. Was about everyone the dressed all fancy? Yes. Yeah. How fancy exciting. was it? It was pretty fancy. I mean, yeah. we actually had. I even saw one person who was dressed as as a flapper from the early twentieth century. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, they definitely got into the mood. But yeah, there That's was awesome. Jean, I mean, no jeans, no jackets. It was suit and tie. Women were in their dresses. This, mm-hmm. They treat this as it was a posh affair. Now, you're stepping into the world of the Crawleys of 1920s America. Yes. That's exciting. 1928, I believe, is the year. And yeah. and uh, if we could uh, talk a little bit about the film, because we got after the awesome reception, mm-hmm. we got treated to watch the film and of course yes. it, it drops this weekend but we, we got to you know obviously see it a little earlier oh yeah and <laughs> I'll, I'll full disclosure i never got into downtown abbey and i watched the first film the morning of wow just to get a familiarity right mm-hmm. Shame and on i you. was like you know what I was i'm kidding <laughs> great great acting i don't know if this is my cup of english tea so to speak pun intended but then i watched the second film and it was such a departure for the first film there was so much comedy. I, I was, you know, I was laughing along with everything, and and it was a film within a film because they brought cinema where they're trying to, you know, evolve from the silent picture to moving pictures, and they brought that aspect too. And I was, I believe, it was a new writer that was involved with the second film. It was a completely different film from the first one, wasn't it, Dean? Yes, it was because the first film it focused on um, the Queen's visit. Right. Um, at the time, and it was 1927, and it brought a bit of the movie, I mean, the TV series to the film series, and they did a brilliant job. And then with the second film, it was much more comedy, and especially with mm-hmm. Dame Maggie Smith playing Lady Grantham. Oh my goodness, yes. the one-liners alone is worth the admission. And the cast really has been on par as far as their acting roles because it's only been a couple years since they yeah. stepped into those roles. And I think they were filming during COVID, if I remember correctly. Right. They were well taken care of. And you're right. It was the film within the film. So I felt a bit of the artist in the yeah. picture, especially with Dominic West playing the Hollywood type. Yes, yes. Job with HBO's it. The Wire in the House. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So and I love it was aspect. a great film nonetheless. And I told I was talking to my um, fellow writer, Candace, that if they decided to end the film series or the franchise, this film would have done it so one of it oh, if, wow. they, if they even if they did a sequel if they decide to end it all of a sudden great ending to well Osaka. let's not say great ending obviously is very emotional yeah without giving it away no i mean i mean as i said, as I said it would be a great ending to the films i'm not saying overall <laughs> i'm saying if they decide to end the franchise right they ended you, it feel, be, you feel that that would be appropriate for me no i want to see more of this comedic aspect of downton abbey mm-hmm. i want to see more because the series and the first film was very heavy on drama and very, very minuscule amounts of humor. Am I right on that? Yes, you're definitely right. Right. Whereas this film really brought on a lot of British humor. 
um, and, and humor that can relate to Americans as well. Um, and yeah, the British humor is great. And you mentioned Maggie's one-liners, mm-hmm. and um, who's brilliant. I mean, for for you Harry Potter fans, you know exactly who Maggie Smith is, right? Of course. Uh, um, so uh, I want to see more. I want to see more of this comedic Downton Abbey. It was com- they call it a new era, and 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 you know, I talked to um, I talked to both uh, actors on the red carpet, Joanne Froggett and Elizabeth McGovern. They they mention about the the humorous aspect of the film and. It's interesting because I, I did watch the trailer prior to the red carpet, but didn't know they went full on more more so comedy for this film. Uh, you got a little bit of that in the trailer, but it was still very, very traditional to what you expect from Downton Abbey. Absolutely. But it was a big surprise when I did watch it in the theater. Yeah, and it's one need- of those and it's one of those ensemble pieces, especially in television, where everyone in the cast, no matter if they were Maggie Smith, no matter if it's the man, I forgot his name. Unfortunately, he's coming off not coming. The one who, it's the it's the comic relief in a way. Everyone, every role in Dalton Abbey is perfect. Is amazing that every character had a a unique backstory, and you can relate to them. In fact, when I was talking with the British ambassador about her favorite character, she yeah. mentioned Maggie Smith. She mentioned um. Hugh Bonneville's character, yes. and she mentioned Julian Fellows, the director. Fellows, and she yes. talked about the key to, and um, Liz, who I talked to, she said among the key universal themes is that we all recognize its family, its friends and family, yes. it's the people of Downton Abbey who go through everything that we as a society in today's times have gone through. So, and that's why I feel, especially... I've been a fan for the last few years that oh, yeah, the show sure. has endured, has been getting two great, wonderful films. And it's like another cap in British legacy when it comes to film, when it comes to television, and most of all, when it comes to its acting. It's like this is a series that defines Britain as far as their culture. And I agree. No, one one criticism of Downton Abbey is, is the okay. lack of diversity in the cast. What are your thoughts on that? I have to agree with you. I mean, it's like friends with Americans <laughs> saying like that, that there's no um, people of color with that. And I'm, it's kind of true to the era. Second, is it true to the era to, to the, that specific time, time period? If it's uh, historically accurate to that time period in England, mm-hmm. then that's the argument. I mean, then that you can't really change history. No, you can't. Unless you're Doctor Who and you try to change history like that, but that's a different. We're gonna get into different (laughs) time because Allie's a huge Doctor Who. I got the Doctor Who notes that we're gonna get into, but uh, so excited. Yes, overall great. I mean that that I implore everybody. I did this. You know what's great? I think you could become a fan of Downton Abbey going into this film, right? Um, And and because I was going to ask, can you jump in with the second film, or that's what I'm saying. I think you you can because it's. It's such a new format with the comedy. Yeah, um, I have to. It I helps to, to know the characters. I'm sorry. Go it helps to know the characters, though. Yeah. But I think you could still jump in. Yes, I have to agree with Al. This film, unlike a lot of film sequels, is standalone. You can go to the film and go back, or you can watch the whole series and go to the two films, or just jump right. into the film series. No matter what, where you jump in. You'll catch on pretty quickly, and you have a feeling by the end of the hour or the two hours with the movies, you can say, okay, I need to watch the rest so I can see how everything fits in with this puzzle. 
All right. Awesome. awesome. Wow. I'm definitely going to have to do that. Yeah. So that was yeah. cool. Overall, awesome event. You get your umbrella, Downton Abbey umbrella at the end of the night. Oh, well. yeah. If you guys don't notice, um, this is the background here is actually the library that is oh. in the castle for Downton Abbey. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, How appropriate. And, and one of the things I learned about um, the library here, it has over 6,000 books in that library. I want to go. <laughs> I want to see 6,000 say, okay, I guess I have to do it for a third time in the near future. Allie, Allie does love to read. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a, man a of, mega book nerd. <laughs> of visual, of visuals. So I, I don't do too much reading, the full disclosure. But, uh. I actually <laughs> Funny enough, I actually read more than I watch oh, movies okay. and television. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> but um, well, let's uh, get back into Netflix. We were dis- discussing Geek Week, and then some of the shows that we're excited about includes Stranger Stranger Things uh, season four, The mm-hmm. Sandman, and um, I know Umbrella Allie, you're excited. Ex- Umbrella Academy. Umbrella uh, Academy and Stranger <clears throat> Things. I'm. You saw the trailer. Been waiting for. You saw the trailer. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the trailer for for Umbrella Academy? Is it a new new trailer? Well, the trailer, the... the one from a while ago, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see more of the kids mm-hmm. uh, that were born. I'm wondering if there's going to be another version of um, the Umbrella Academy, because now we're going to be meeting the Sparrow Academy. The Sparrow, that's right. Um, but I'm excited, and I'm sure some of the kids that were born. after. Yes. yes. Um, and I'm sure that once he met them in the past, he was like, "Oh fuck no, <laughs> I'm not adopting these <laughs> these children. <laughs> There's no fucking way." <laughs> so that's probably why the Sparrow Academy came to be. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And of course, uh, Vanya is now Victor, so they're decided to. Um, transition the character as well as you know to coincide with elliot page's decision to trans transition you know as well yeah um so i guess those questions uh, will be answered on how and why that happens um um during that season so i'm curious too um netflix uh one show that i'm really excited about which might take some time for us to watch it uh, because I think at the earliest to 2023, and that's Squid Game season two. And um, Wang Dong-yuk told Vanity Fair recently that he predicts the next batch of episodes won't be ready until the end of 2023 at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only has about three pages worth of ideas so far that he oh. that he plans to turn into a script. So, I mean, you killed the majority of your cast, so you gotta have to. Yeah, so I guess a new batch of people. And actually, I just got into Squid Game. I think it was about a few months ago, yeah, with the help of Paula. And it's like after the first episode, it's like okay, we got it. I have to see what happens next. I can't stop at one. You can't. No. Oh my God! It, it was one of those shows that you couldn't finish later. You had to keep watching over. And I remember like. I remember watching like three episodes in a row and it was like three, four in the morning. I couldn't fucking stop. I could not stop watching. And uh, yeah, he's got a, he's got a big bar to, to raise for season two, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Um, Cause as you know, Lee Jung Jae will be back. The mask will be back. And this is a little uh, tidbit for you, Dean, because this is from the director himself. When I talked to him at the New York city um, for your consideration event, yeah. I was like, 
there are only two deaths. It's, I'm curious how season two is going to go. He said, we didn't see the cop's body. We did not see the cop's body. <laughs> he basically, I think it's with, it's pretty much him telling me the cop has survived that fall mm-hmm. of being shot and falling down. Yeah. He's somehow survived. Mm-hmm. Because if you, and then I realize I'm thinking, yes, every death that we've seen, we've had, we've seen the dead body. It's kind of confirmed right. it. We have. So, yes. So that's going to be really, really exciting. Yeah. Also, uh, Black Mirror on Netflix. Um, they're getting a season six uh, latest uh, installment. Kept in the wraps, but uh, again, it's going to be multiple stories. As you know, it's an anthology series. But uh, curious to see, curious to see what they what they do with the sixth season. Um, all right, moving on to number ten on my list. HBO Max stuff. All right, um, just got word that the Wonder Twins movie is not going forward on HBO yeah. Max. Yeah. Apparently they had a 75 million budget and apparently that was too high for a made for streaming movie. Hmm. Um, I guess with a budget like that, um, it just, yeah, it just wasn't sufficient um, or was too much rather. Um, And that was going to star Riverdale's KJ app and 1883 breakout star Isabel may as the wonder twins. Now, apparently they say Wonder Twin powers activate. They don't have, in my opinion, the most effective powers because one one can turn into an animal, the other twin turns into any form of water. I don't see the synergy of like a giraffe and a and a puddle. Um, so <laughs> just one of the millions of scenarios you probably think of for these Wonder Twins. Yeah, um, it was cool in the '70s, but how will you translate that? Yes to 2022 superheroes and british accents rule the world (laughs) (laughs) i know right Mm -hmm. um but one thing on hbo max i'm excited to talk about and i have no notes on this because it's coming up here because baltimore is representing on we own the city uh just uh, tune into episode four and uh Shout out to uh, some actors that i personally know like ken arnold and emmanuel carey um, that had appeared in that episode, Keith Alonis, fellow Filipino. Um, one thing I'm just amazed by in that in that show is John Bernthal's Baltimore accent. He nails it. And awesome. at two points within the episode, he said, ambulance, ambulance. We need an ambulance. We need an ambulance. <laughs> oh, he had to. I mean, he was born in the district. So it's like he's not too far from Baltimore. So. <laughs> Yes, but That's the true. district, they're, they're a little more refined. I know, I know. They're so much more refined. And it's, it's crazy because proximity-wise, D.C. and Baltimore are so close. Mm-hmm. But there are not many people in, in D.C. that have that Baltimore Mid-Atlantic accent. I think for some that's reason, true. there's a line that's drawn in between that the people race D.C. can speak a little more proper. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, but it's true though, man. Yeah, that's true. And and that's the the thing about Charm City. It's a charming city. And when you see Josh Charles, who's like classically trained, and John Bernthal, the Punisher, talking Mm -hmm. Baltimore's or whatever, I just get get a kick out of it. I get a kick out of it. And uh, shout out to Ivy Mills, um, who played the stripper. She's an actual stripper. And uh, she played the stripper that was giving uh, John Bernthal a lap dance on this week's episode. So she did an incredible job. I mean, it's life imitating art, or is it art imitating life? 
I think it's already. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking along the lines of We on the City, I actually had a chance to interview um, Trey Cheney. That's my who, boy. Yeah, That's my we boy. <laughs> yeah. Second time I got to interview him, um, and he was doing um, a film. I forgot the film off the top of my head. It's gonna kill me for. We need to talk. But was it? Say it. We need to talk. The film called We Need. Yeah, to that's talk. it. We need to talk. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and he was excited, especially talking about that he got to work with um, the showrunner for The Wire on this series, mm-hmm. and it felt like family all over again that he mentioned yes. about it. So it was like it's proud to see Trey back on a Baltimore set show, working with the same cast, almost the same cast, almost the same crew, and give that. Baltimore offense and Josh Charles from Baltimore, of course, is like right. We gotta have that Baltimore true Baltimore representation here. Yeah, I mean they do, and of course they went to England to get Wun Wun Mi, who was in uh, <laughs> was in Loki season one, um, um, and she she hides the British accent very well, so you, you have no idea that she's from England. But <laughs> yeah. uh, she's great. Taking well. our taking our American acting jobs. <laughs> I know all those are taking all our jobs. God damn it. <laughs> uh, which is which I which is uh, one thing I, I talked to Elizabeth McGovern about as being the sole American in the cast, and she mm-hmm. was very thrilled. To, it's to... funny that like you see a lot of times British people do, uh, doing American roles, but you don't usually see it vice versa. Other way around is there's yeah. only a few don't that see... I can think of. Kristen Stewart, uh, and it's literally on on the like five I can think of right now, like contemporary wise. Mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart and Spencer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, John Lithgow in The Crown, mm-hmm. um, Tyrion Lannister, Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones, which is Westeros, so but still he's he's talking a British accent. Um, there's a couple more, um, but there's not many. There's not many. You must all. not be as good at the yeah. English accent. <laughs> oh, there was one. The actress from uh, I don't know why they decided to. She's in Yellow Jackets, and she's one of the Mod Squad in Book of Boba Fett. She puts out a British accent, but she's an American. Um, that actress, um, her name her name escapes me right now, but uh, mm-hmm. she, uh, lovely girl. Um, she's in the uh, one of the leads in the Yellow Jacket series, which I caught the first two episodes. I need to finish that uh, series. It's very very compelling. Um, all right, let's move on to the list here. Uh, number eleven is Amazon. Well, uh, it's all about the boys. Season three, mm-hmm. uh, the full trailer. Oh man, so. The thing about trailers is just great nowadays. It's not censored. There's so many uncensored trailers. So you're seeing the blood, the gore, and the F-bombs all in a trailer um, that many, many years ago, you would not dare put the F-bomb in a trailer. In a it's movie, so weird that show. the F-word, out of all things, makes it a rated R. Like It's, <laughs> it's like if you think about it, it's so bizarre. Yeah. that That's one of the things. Like, I yeah, mean, that, that, tells me that there's a board out there with the um, Motion Picture Association of America or somebody mm-hmm. is now has changed the game. Because I remember hearing it in a um, documentary of oh, it was for Eddie Murphy's Raw that they were determining how many F words or B words before it determines an R. I think the game has changed since that yeah. movie in the 1980s of how many F bombs or how many D words or whatever. It has changed a little bit because I've had I've heard occasional f bombs on television shows, mm-hmm. and I think they're only allowed they have a certain allotment of 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 that on like like regular a cable, and then when you get the premium cable, there's it's unlimited. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's basically how it goes. But yeah, they they pulled out all the stops in this boys trailer. 
either of you a boys fan? I think it's uh, definitely worth t- tuning in. Oh, yeah. Special Alonso from Washington, D.C. Yes. Which, I'm going to make a quick plug. I don't give a care. It's your show. I know. But two of the boys are going to be at Shore Leave this July. Oh, snap. Yes. Alonso Alonso is going to be there. And Chessy Usher are going to be are among the 12 Ooh, guests at Shore awesome. Leave this year. Oh, man. Thanks for the reminder to submit for my uh, <laughs> press credentials. I gotta this get is the second there. time I have to remind your press credentials for it. Yes, <laughs> I know. I got to get on AwesomeCon because I know Allie's a big fan of the AwesomeCon. Yeah, and they got one more guest to go, too, by the way. They got one more guest to go. They said they got one more announcement. And after that, I think their full lineup is done. Really? Any any yeah. any guesses who the... Uh, Ooh, that's a good guess. Because they just added uh, Noah Schaap today from Stranger Things. I think it should be one more person for Stranger Things. It has to be. You can't just have one person for one show because you can do the whole fandom. You can bring the whole fandom, do the photo ops with, with both cast members. My prediction, another cast member from Stranger Things. I have no my be. Yeah, but I think that's we'll what's going to happen. I think tomorrow is the day they announce that final announcement. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see. Oh, that would be, be great, man. And yeah, we were just talking about Stranger Things earlier. How all the episodes are a lot longer than previous seasons, and the finale will be almost feature length. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they really want to tell their story, but um, I think man, it's going to be worth the wait. Yes, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Yes, so, it will be. <laughs> Allie, I think the boys might—you might blush uh, watching the boys. You might think it's a little too extreme for you, but I highly like recommended. Uh, if you're a supernatural fan, they showed Jensen <laughs> Ackles, who's going to play the character of Soldier Boy. Uh, not Soldier Boy, Superman, that hoe, not that guy, but uh, <laughs> the character Soldier Boy. Also, we're going to see Giancarlo Esposito return as CEO Stan Edgar, who, as you know, is one of my favorite actors. Uh, he's, and he's everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Community and Breaking Bad, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. And he's, <laughs> and he's, and he's going to be an awesome con. He's also going to be an awesome and con. He's one of the lineup for awesome. There you go. But I, I can't wait to see this because it's going to be. Uh, wow, it's just gonna the, the aftermath of, of course, Stormfront, you know, um, being exposed as a neo Nazi, and then Billy receives um, some of the soup, the soup's powers, um, the special formula that allows him to develop the superpowers for 24 hours. So, you put Billy the Butcher with, with, with the juice, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen there because he's already vicious as it is, you know, imagine with his powers, like just completely just exponentially raised you know from the serum you know um so i can't wait that's gonna be great all right number 12 on my list is hulu number 12 includes a predator prequel called prey it just dropped a teaser trailer and it's 300 years in the past and of course 300 years ago it was all Native Americans here in the U.S., right? So it's an yeah. all Native American cast, and this will be a film that's going to go directly to Hulu. And it's about the world of the Comanche Nation and a character named Naru, a skilled warrior um, who protects her tribe from the alien predator. So, um, yeah, some of uh, the, um, the indigenous talent includes Amber Midhunter, and uh, Dakota Beavers, Stormy Kip, Michelle Trush, and Julian Black Antelope. Um, and 10 Cloverfield Lane filmmaker Dan Trachtenberg will be directing this. So, um, and 
only in the murders uh only murders in the building season two trailer just dropped um i have yet to watch the show but i'm really now really intrigued because this this trailer really grabbed me um we saw cara develine who my god i love amy schumer we have shirley mclean uh and uh it's funny because selena gomez uh hosted snl and she just she just did a tremendous job and and she said yeah uh, my friends were asking me who my co-stars were and i had to google them <laughs> i love selena gomez she was just <laughs> and she was talking about are they hot are they sexy she's like if you like banjo music <laughs> she yeah. was ripping them ripping them really good on saturday Night Live. it was great uh and um before we take a classic cut break, uh, number 13 on my list is Apple TV for all mankind. Hell yeah. Yeah, Hell there you, that's one of your shows, right? Absolutely, um, especially since I've been a fan since day one. And yes. Ronald D. Moore behind Star Trek, behind Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Every season, especially I was wondering how in the world they were going to create this alternate reality of, what happens if we have lost the space race and what they have done and to show the reality of it all, especially what some of the historical note, notes that we had have changed. And it's amazing how they kept it right. But at the same time, you have to wonder that this could happen if, if the world's change. And it's interesting. And that's why I've been a fan of the show. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we're going to have another um, interview set with that cast. Oh, look at you, man. Yeah, because we did season one when they were here, and then pandemic hit, and it's like, okay. uh, and season two, we got to interview Wait them. Wait a minute, does that, does that mean there's a season three DC event? <laughs> I mean, they did season one, okay. they did season two, so I'm having a feeling there's going to be a yes. season three meetup. Even if I have to knock, even if I have to go to Outlet and knock on the door and say, "Hey, we need season three, bring I mean, it back." This is where we should be because the trailer shows Man on Mars, and we still haven't had a Man on Mars yet, mm-hmm. like walking on Mars. So, um, right. So this is a, if if NASA was just te- more like miles miles more technologically advanced, I guess, right? From what I gather from the trailer, it is and, especially if I can piggyback one especially within the first season that the first mm-hmm. season it showed how they got an astronaut corps of women in the first season which included an african-american lady by the name of daniel Poole, played by chris marshall who had a very good role in the first and the second season and when you see the second season involves her character you'll see what amazing strides she had and it's a and it's like Daniel Poole could have been the inspiration for Mae Jemison and astronauts. Even the astronaut that I got a chance to see tonight, that she is the first African-American woman to pilot a spacecraft. Oh, wow. And the funny thing is, it's 100 years. Because she piloted in 2021. It was 1921 when the first African-American woman, Bessie Coleman, who piloted the first aircraft. And it's like, it is amazing that it's been 100 years you're a walking encyclopedia, Dean. Wow. That, I the, do. The oh, knowledge, Mae Jemison is, like... The knowledge you have is amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> like, the amount of things she has done. Like, she is, she has done it all. <laughs> She's, like, awesome. And appeared on Star Trek Next Generation. So yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Even a more reason to love her, right? Yes. She's incredible. Look, like, look her up. She's, she's okay. done everything. She's phenomenal. Awesome. 
Well, I think this is a great time to take a classic cut break uh, before we get into uh, the rest of the top 20 uh, on the entertainment uh, countdown. Um, and of course, just to announce our pre-recorded interviews, two of my Creative Coalition interviews from the red carpet includes Katie Tunstall, singer-songwriter, and Kyla Pratt from Call Me Cat, which again was just renewed for season three. And I decided for the classic cut this week, I was thinking, you know, hey, uh, Soundgarden, because it's in it's in the soundtrack for For All Mankind. But, like, I realized we just played that not too long ago. So I'm like, all right, so now what do I play? Well, um, I'm going to go to a very amazing, one of my favorite uh, bands um, is Nine Inch Nails. And I'm going to be seeing them perform uh, next week. And instead of the usual suspect uh, top hits, I decided to pick a more obscure song, but definitely a very cool song and it's called piggy and it's from the downward spiral album the same album from where the the probably the one of the more famous songs is animal i want to you like an animal um by nine inch nails but this song is called piggy so we're gonna uh, go to the classic cut um and then from there some of the creative coalition brief interviews and then we'll be back here on btb All right, Al Soto along with... Chati McFly. It's Below the Belt Show, and click on this show here at the Creative Coalition in Washington, D.C. We are back. We are back. It's been a few years since we've been... House Correspondence Dinner weekend. Yes, and of course, the Creative Coalition Right to Bear Arts Gala. We have some amazing interviews to conduct here on the purple carpet. And don't forget, it's all about the arts here at the Creative Coalition at the Yotel Hotel. Yotel Hotel Holiday Inn. (laughs) No, I'm excited. It's one of the the best um, charities out there. You know, the charity. Yeah, it's a charity. Yeah, yeah. It's a charity organization, yeah, keeping, nonpartisan. Yeah, keeping arts in school. You know, keeping keeping the arts alive, especially after COVID, is now more important than ever. We need our outlet of fun and entertainment. That's right, and that's why this organization organization is very important to us. So, let's talk to some of the celebrities that are going to be attending this purple carpet momentarily, right here on Click on This. All right, let's go. All right, Black Horse and the Cherry Tree in the house, Katie Tunstall, singer-songwriter extraordinaire. How does it feel to be a guest and a performer at this amazing event, the Creative Coalition, right to Bear Arts Gala? It's been amazing. It's been an amazing day. I became officially became an American last year. Very proud. Wow, congrats. So to go and be part of this trip to the Capitol and to the White House today and really just talk about how arts is not just about becoming a pop star and becoming a film star it's about kids it's about giving everyone expression in the world it's a hard world and just having that access to community to connection to the arts is wonderful and then it's so nice for me to actually be able to offer something helpful by rocking out after dinner which is great yes and what 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 sample of medley can we hear tonight suddenly yeah 
<laughs> no, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play a nice array of rocking songs, and I'm on my own Ed Sheeran style with my yes. loop pedal. And uh, I'm Who's gonna be. Well, nearly, nearly. I make a lot of noise for one girl, uh, and I'm doing a great Tom Petty cover tonight. Oh of, wow, we're big fans. Of, uh, of I won't back down because we need that message right now. So. Wow, that's amazing. So I saw that your last uh, album was Wax in 2018. Thank you. And yes. you were you were um, trying to attempt to release your next album, but then you had some hearing uh, issue yeah, or something like that. Yeah, doesn't work that anymore. So I'm like okay. coughing my head this way. And because of that, you delayed the album. Well, no, the album's done. Now it's done. Finished. Yes. It's coming out this summer. Finally, very, awesome. Very excited. That's it's awesome. the third in a trilogy about soul, body, and mind. So a very therapeutic, holistic yes. set of records. And everyone was saying no one listens to albums anymore. And I was like, okay, I'll make three then. So it's right. been seven years of work. And Inundate them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I've also started writing some musical theatre over the pandemic. So yes. I've really been enjoying getting into the musical theatre world as well. That is awesome. Actually, I looked at your website today, and I saw that you actually have some great shows coming up not only in California but here in Mar uh, not too far from your Maryland Annapolis at Ramset I saw yes, that yes I know they're little club shows that I had booked yes. before the pandemic so yes. I'm making good coming back and rocking the Ramset which will be awesome that's that's right up the road for us so we're definitely going to be checking that show out and of course we hope to hear the Black Horse and Cherry Tree yes it's yes. happening it's <laughs> happening I promise I will not be allowed to leave unless that happens so and then I saw another cool thing on your website you did um, score for a, a movie recently right yes it was a really beautiful Australian movie it, mm -hmm. it I worked with the Sundance Institute which I know yes. is a big part of our American artistic culture sure and uh, it was wonderful it was really an interesting thing to go into film it's a very I'm a newbie at that I'm learning yes I love it I'm not John Williams yet Wow the amazingly talented KT Tunstall here at the Creative Coalition event. Uh, thank you so much for talking with us here. I click on this and below the belt show. Thank you so much. We're here with Ash Extraordinaire, Kyla Pratt from uh, the Proud Family, Louder and Louder, and Call Me Cat. Yes. Yeah, two great shows. Thank you. I've seen Call Me Cat. Tell us your experience working with Ma Maya Bialik. Uh, Maya Bialik is an amazing human being all around. She is a dope person, actress, producer, and it is, uh, I'm a, it's a pleasure to be able to watch her work, and uh, I love seeing good people in great positions and everything, you know, it trickles down to little old us, you know. Um, I, I love her energy. I love uh, just watching her and learning from her. And she's a neuroscientist, so yes. has she taught you anything about neuroscience or the brain? No, not really. Usually when I have a question about anything, I ask Maya, and most of the time she has the answer, but sometimes she doesn't, because she's just like us. She's just, she just way more, way smarter. <laughs> and like way more smarter, of course. So it, it's really, the show is kind of like a, a homage to cats. Yes. That, like, uh, you know, Maya's a character loves and obsessed with cats. Yes. What is your opinion on cats? Are you a big fan of the felines? Um, I love pretty much all animals. Um, I've had cats uh, as a child, but I have a puppy now. I have a little baby.
maybe Yorkie. Okay. Um, so you're, but a, you're a dog person. I, I mean, both. I mean, my man, I think he's slightly allergic to cats, so we're not, we can't go down that road. But being on the set with them is, is amazing because I was like, how are we going to do this? You can't train cats. And honestly, you can. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that you could. And the, my, that's the only time Mayim gets distracted is when the cats are on set. She literally is like, oh, like squirrel. Like, literally paying attention to not anything going on. But no, I love being around them. So Awesome. And what's the latest on season three of Call Me Cat? We don't know yet. I think we find out in a couple of weeks whether or not we get picked up for a season three. I hope so because I love, love, love every single person in my cast. And I just hope I get to play with them some more. Awesome. And of course, we're here for the arts, the Creative Coalition. Uh, tell us how the arts were important to you uh, growing up and uh, in your education. Uh, the arts are extremely important to me. I've been a part of the arts for almost 30 years. I, I know I'm older than I look, but um, I believe it's so important in, in order to be able to express yourself and learn to, you know, this just creatively. I feel like if our kids are able to think creatively and feel some sense of purpose and some sense of love, I think, you know, to help them grow into better adults, because it's a little, it's a couple crazy people running around in these streets, you know what I mean? So I think if everybody just dance a little, sing a little, write a little, just enjoy, you know, creativity. And my daughter on the phone right before I came downstairs, I said, yeah, baby, I had to talk to them about saving the arts. And she said, yeah, because if kids didn't have the arts, how would we be able to express ourselves? And I said, go, baby. <laughs> so we're here for a very important event. And are you attending the dinner tomorrow night? And if you're looking forward to meeting anybody in particular? Uh, I am going to the dinner tomorrow. I'm just excited to see our host for tomorrow, Trevor Noah. Noah. He is hilarious, and I can't wait to see him in person. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for talking to us. But click on this. Thank you so much. All right. Wow. That was the classic cut, Nine Inch Nails Piggy, followed by, uh, which will be, my gosh, we have so much Creative Coalition content from the White House Correspondent Weekend. Those are two of the great ones. Uh, Katie Tunstall, singer-songwriter extraordinaire. You know, um, Black Horse and the Cherry Tree. And, of course, uh, Kyla Pratt. They just they just renewed her show for season three. And when I asked her on the carpet, they didn't know yet. So a little update, kind of like a, a way to segue into that one. So um, really, really exciting, guys. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's get back into the, the, the top 20 uh, entertainment, guys. Uh, starting with, uh, well, number 14 is Paramount Plus. Well, what's, com- what's coming up on Paramount Plus? Well, <clears throat> we have uh, a series called Rabbit Hole uh, <laughs> with Kiefer Sutherland, and they just announced Charles Dance, who played Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones, has joined the cast. Um, wow, Charles Dance, just an incredible, incredible actor. Uh, he's going to be... Um, joining this cast and this particular show, it's an original series from CBS Studios, where uh, Sutherland stars as Johnny Ware, a master of deception in the world of corporate espionage, who's framed for murder by powerful forces with the ability to influence and control populations. So uh, that's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. In addition, these, these are two huge names. I'm just I can, I'm blown away. Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren are joining the cast of the Yellowstone prequel, 1932. How is that possible? I mean, those two names are just the two of the biggest names in Hollywood, you know, I mean, they're legends and they're doing a television show. 
<laughs> I'm just I'm full. I mean, is is Yellowstone that that big of a deal that you got Han Solo and and the Dame Helen, <laughs> you know, uh, as a part of this? And this is um the Dutton family, um in the time of the Prohibition in the Great Depression. So that's in the 1932, which is a follow up from 1883. Um, so uh, anyone here a Yellowstone fan? I never really got into. I so now no. let me correct myself. I did watch a few episodes because I had interviews, and you have to if you're not a fan of the show. And Dean, you know this. Sometimes you're not necessarily a fan of the show, but you got to do your homework, mm-hmm. and you try to catch up or try to watch a few episodes. And it's a damn good show. It is. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we got to introduce, um, joining us on the panel, guys, she is a, a singer, she's a performer, she's an amazing talent, Siren the Entertainer Davis, and uh, she's been on BTV, but it's been a minute, and uh, Siren, good to have you back on the show. What up, what up, what up, Al, hi, what's going on, panel, it's nice to see you guys again. Yeah, good to see you, Siren. And uh, yeah, we'll segue really quick. Uh, you got an amazing, this is for the local DMV listeners uh, and beyond, um, but uh, obviously Sister Act, an iconic musical um, and uh, popularized by Whoopi Goldberg, yes, from the films. But uh, you're bringing that production here to Baltimore. Yes, I am. So we're doing Sister Act, the musical, and um, it's going to be at... Uh, the St. Demetrios Greek Orthodox uh, at Suburban Players. It's uh, on Cup Hill Road. Um, the show is running from June 3rd through June through June 12th. Okay. There's a couple of matinees in there. It's a dinner theater. It's great. And uh, you can uh, go to, what is it, uh, www.suburbanplayers.com for mm-hmm. more information for tickets and to reserve your seat for the show. It's going to be great. Awesome. And which character are you portraying? I am playing Dolores Van Cartier. I will be Sister Mary nice. Clarence. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. And I, I hope to see everybody there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. How was the uh, audition process for that? It was so weird. I was uh, I was just chilling one day and okay. <laughs> as, I, as I normally do. And um, I got a message on Instagram and uh somebody just asking me to audition for Dolores Van Cartier the next day. So I didn't have anything prepared or anything. And I haven't done a musical since high school. And I'm wait, you're not counting the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Well, I mean, for that, I didn't have to know learn a whole script and a whole musical. I mean, you know, it's a shit that was a shadow cast. Ah, yes, I had to, you know, I am this character, you know, it's, yes. no, you know, I have, I'm, I have a live band. It's great. And that is um, dope. That is absolutely yeah, dope. Really dope. And, um, so I, she, you know, she said she wanted me to come in for the audition, came in the next day and they sent me the, they sent me the music, the, the audition music on the way to the place. So I had to learn it on like an, on my Uber ride. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and um, on your there, Uber ride, so not much preparation time, huh? No, well, I mean, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I got there, and it's a panel of like ten, you know, ten people, you know, for me to audition in front of. I'm like, oh, okay. Ten people, wow. And I started singing, and they're like, oh, okay. And they looking at each other. I'm like, yeah. And then I had That's to awesome. read, and then they're like, 
Okay, so now it's time for the chore- the uh, the choreography audition. I'm like, let me get the fuck out of here. Like, I was, <laughs> I was you were, gonna walk out. Dance that day, I, was, I was like, nope, nope. I, you know, I was about to cross out of sweat, and it was it was. Oh cool. yeah, I mean, you knew the singing, but they asked you to dance. I'm a singer, and I'm an actor. Right. I can draw you a nice picture. I could paint you. I could paint you, and I can take some. I can take some wonderful photos. I cannot dance. At all, <laughs> I cannot dance at all. Like you know, so I get up there, and you know, everybody sees me. Like I'm like freaking out inside of my head, but I'm I'm still like smiling. I'm like, oh my gosh, and they can see it on my face. But I just did it anyway. Like I mean, if I'm gonna make if I'm gonna make a fool out of my out of myself, can't you can't say I didn't try, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And how's the uh, rehearsal process going so far? Well. We had, um, this was supposed to actually happen in February. We were supposed to have this show in February, but, um, it was a COVID spike and everybody in the cast started getting COVID. So we had to, we had to postpone it until June. So I wasn't expecting to, you know, I was probably expecting to be into something else by then, you know? Right. So I, you know, I didn't even pick the script up. I had it, but I didn't even pick it up. And in March they hit, they got back with us and they said, you know, uh, all right, you know, who who all's gonna, you know, continue on with the show? We lost about 60% of the cast. So we had to oh, recast. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of the, made, the, a lot of the uh, lead characters. And, but, you know, and it seems like it's, it's the, you know, it's going by really fast. Like, we're three weeks out, and I don't remember my second act yet, you know? But the more that I'm with my cast, and I'm acting with them, and we're going over it together. We're laughing together. We're character developing together and everything. It's all just falling into place. And I had a wonderful rehearsal tonight. That's where I'm coming from. That's why I'm late. I'm so sorry. No, that's cool. <laughs> now I'm glad glad we got to talk about it. Now, did you watch the rewatch the movie for inspiration? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I did because, you know, there's a lot of things. And, I mean, of course, you want to end musicals and things you go through a bunch of different people that play that character and they all deliver right. the character the way that they do, you know? So they all bring their own life into this character. It's still that same character, but they bring their own life. But one thing, you know, when you're studying Dolores Van Cartier, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, she says she says things in a certain way that is said the same way in a script. So it's good to look at that so you could see, you know, how she would deliver it. And you would do something similar because it gives the audience something familiar. I love it. You know? Wow. So happening in June, check out suburbanplayers.com. Sister Act, a divine musical comedy. Um, and it's crazy with the uh, timing because I just uh, researched it that the film itself is coming up on its 30th anniversary in a few yes. weeks. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, May awesome. 29th, wow. 1992 was released. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's some great timing. Right. <laughs> you could even throw that for marketing. 30th, celebrate the 30th anniversary of Sister Act. Thanks coming a to lot, our, buddy. Okay, coming to our musical, dude. You should. <laughs> you yeah. gotta get points for that one, son. Well, actually, sorry, I do have a question for you, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, the question I want to know, since this is an iconic film, especially it giving us more. Oh my gosh, Lauren Hill in the process. What is your favorite song to sing in the musical? If you have to pick one. Uh, oh, in this, in, in my show or in, in the movies? In the movie, in the musical. Yeah, either or. 
Uh, okay, so in the movies, of course, I would go with Sister Act 2. So this, the musical, is based off of Sister Act 1, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, of course, it would be uh, His Eyes on a Sparrow that Lauren Hill sang. I actually just sang that uh, this past Friday for my aunt's funeral. My aunt passed away. But oh, she was, sorry, but she lived a great life, man. She was, she was old. She, you know, she was one day from her 90th birthday. She had a lot of great accomplishments. So I sang that song for her. And that was definitely the best I've ever done that song. And I was definitely inspired by how, you know, Lauren Hill executed that song. So, yeah, it was nice. That is dope. Lauren Hill is amazing. She's actually going to be a Preakness. <laughs> yeah, she's going to show up a day late and dollar short. Is yeah, <laughs> no, she does have a habit. I remember covering a concert of hers actually almost 10 years ago, and she didn't show up for about three and a half hours. Is this so, I think that is so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. Your fans are the reason you are who you are. Exactly. Why would you show up? That's like showing up late to work. Is you? Th- I'm not going to fire you after a while. Now everybody knows that you're that you're you're never on time. I might yeah. as well not buy a ticket. Or if I'm going to buy a ticket, I'm going to make sure that you have a great pregame. Right. You know? <laughs> well, let's let's hope she does show up exactly. on time for yeah. the Preakness uh, uh, live event, which uh, takes place mm-hmm. on Friday. But um, all right, Sian, you can stick around. We're going to finish up the rest of the Hollywood uh, talk here on BTV. Yeah. Just stick yeah. around. All right. Well, we, we're on number 15, so uh, we're getting through this list here. Uh, and that's other television includes Doctor Who, and I know we have two Doctor Who fans. Uh, I, I, I'm oh, not a Whovian. I can't claim any fame to it. However, there's some news. I know you guys are shaking your heads. I know. Yeah, we're really shaking our heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have Yasmin Finney joining the cast. Oh, I, I yeah. love her. She was named Rose uh, on uh, Doctor Who, the upcoming season. And um, her role will debut in 2023, coinciding with the 60th anniversary. And not only her, just announced David Tennant and Catherine Tate will return to um, this series, um, this season, for the 60th anniversary, reprising their roles as Doctor and and Companion Donna Noble. Yes, and also um, the the character Wilf is going to be back Donna's grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's already been um, some photos of them on set of um, of the three of them. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Really, and this is another interesting thing to add is that Finney is transgender and follows the history-making turn of the first openly transgender actor to be cast on Doctor Who. That's awesome. She's fantastic. Um, I don't know if you, any of you, have gotten the chance to watch Heartstopper. On Netflix, fantastic show, um, and she plays a character named Elle, and she is fantastic. So I'm really, really excited to see her in Doctor Who. I mean, it's no longer has to be a, a white man, a white male anymore to be a doctor on Doctor Who, right? Yeah, they made yep. official, you know, mm-hmm. made official recently. Oh, he looks like he like I, I'm I've never seen Sex Education, but wa- just wa- seeing him and watching him, I got such strong Doctor vibes. So I I think he's gonna be fantastic. And yeah, now are you I can actually cosplay um, a real life doctor now. I can because I've been playing the 20th doctor at sci-fi conventions for years. Okay, now I can Now you can finally cosplay doctor. appropriately, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes! 
Finally! <laughs> his name is Nakuti Gatwa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Let me know if I am. Um, Nakuti Gatwa revealed as the new uh, Doctor Who. The first black doctor. <laughs> so so yeah, groundbreaking. First transgender cast. First black doctor. Um, going a little woke, but, you know, a little sprinkle woke's okay, right? It's, right. it's 2022. It's, <laughs> yeah. By now. And the thing is, like, it's it's like frustrating because like we've had thirteen white doctors and then nothing's ever said. Like it's like, oh, they got it, you know, because of their talent and that. Right. So it should be the same when a black actor is cast. Yeah, it shouldn't course. be woke. It should be that, you know, they were the best for that part. And let's not forget the first woman doctor, Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. So. Right, so, and yeah. going against another universe when um, Strange New Worlds came out and they cast a black man to play Captain Robert April, and some of the fans I could not believe while seeing they were upset because he's a black man and they established there was a Robert April. I said, yes, he was established, but he was a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, it's 2022. Mm-hmm. There's much more talent than white people in the cast. <laughs> Come on. And it's just such a like slap in the face to like say he only got cast because like that like it, oh it just made me so angry seeing some of the it's like are you how are you even a fan of Doctor Who and what Doctor Who stands for right if that's gonna be how you feel but it's like such a slap in the face when he's like a three time nominated BAFTA actor and you there know you Russell T Davies like when he walked in he was like that's that's the doc the new Doctor. Um, yeah, he's a little young to be a doctor though. He's only twenty. Not really. Like no? he's. Is he the youngest um, doctor to be cast? Let me double check that. I'll look it up. Was, <laughs> First but, block, the youngest doctor. Um, Matt Smith was younger when Matt Smith younger when he started. I think so. This okay. will be the first doctor who's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I I I'm now older than the doctor. <laughs> and I, I I did think that was a brilliant show. Um, and of course, you know, Jillian Anderson, my gosh, you know, um, from X Files fame. Um, but yeah, congrats to him, man. You know, uh, for for for. I'm excited because the yeah. last the writing in the last like couple seasons, and I was really excited for Jody, but just the writing, it hasn't been the best the last couple seasons. So I'm excited for Russell T Davies I think it's and then seeing mm. the new cast like I'm really excited that is exciting wow and I can't I wait to see Ten I, and Donna I, I, I'm out I, I started on Amazon and I started started watching uh um oh gosh Billy Piper's uh season keep that going a, like it's yeah, the first so. few episodes are a little wonky but keep going because it's okay. really really good <laughs> and I have a suspicion um I'm I feel like that the character Rose um, played by um, Yasmin, I feel like she's going to be Donna's daughter. Okay. That's um, I feel like that's going to Donna's be. daughter. She oh, no. is. Is she, and that would Rose, that be a cisgender a character, or would that? I'm be? not sure. Okay. Um, but I definitely think with like that part of her, because she forgets everything when she leaves. So I'm wondering if like a little bit of the Doctor and a little bit of her memories remain when she named her daughter Rose. Okay. Um, that's when. That's my thought. Yeah. All right. So a quick update. Matt Smith is still the youngest. He was. Okay. 26. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. Twenty six. Nakuti is twenty nine. 
So he's very young, but not the youngest. Yet. Not the youngest. Okay, good to know. There's some trivia right there. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Number 16, I already mentioned. So, uh, yeah, that's Edie Falco being cast opposite Ooh. Pete Davidson in the upcoming Peacock comedy, Bup Kiss. And this is the uh, fictionalized, uh, heightened fictionalized uh, version of Davidson's real life. My God, there's probably a lot of hot women in it because that's all the Pete Davidson dates are hot women. <laughs> um, if it's going to be, uh, I mean, come on. Kid Kardashian, Ariana Grande, you know. Um, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale, uh, Margaret Qualley, uh, Cindy Crawford's daughter. <laughs> Jesus. He must be awesome. He must be a really awesome individual. He must he, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a funny guy, you know. Yeah. I ran into him at the White House Correspondence when I saw him. I was like, yo, Pete, what's up, man? He's like, yo, I wouldn't say hi, but I really got a pee. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was trying to get out, get out of the crowd because it seems like he was like him and Kim Kardashian at the White House Correspondence were the most approached celebrities and the ones that everyone wanted to meet at that event. So, um, but yeah, that's going to be on Peacock. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about Pete a little earlier. He is all over the place. Um, all right. Number 17 is network television. So people that have not cut the cord. And I know one of Ali's favorite shows is This Is Us. And, uh, and I am so sad that so you already I know what have, happens, right? I don't yes. have cable, and so I'm behind on watching it. But I've, but I know everything that's happened so far. Oh, you? So you're aware of what happened with Rebecca, I, Mandy I, Morse? I, yes. Don't remind yes. me. Oh, don't I mean, I speculated oh that that's gosh. where it was heading. Don't talk about it. Um, but Siren, are you a fan of This Is Us? Yes. And you're also yeah, behind. Heard, but that, my, my grandmother was telling me about it, and. Oh, I was so you're like, no, Grandma, no. She was like, oh, you haven't watched it? So I'm really behind. And you're I really behind, too. but you're aware of what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm aware, but <laughs> she, she slipped. It's because she slipped. Oh, she She's slipped. Like, All right. Well, they have to go out on a tearjerker, you know? I mean, yeah. the show is ending. Yeah, so, right. um, it ended. Yeah. But if you want to see Mandy Moore alive and well, she is actually going to be coming to town in D.C., Oh. At the 9.30 Club for her In Real Life Tour on June 14th. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know anymore. that. Will that involve um, interview opportunities or meet and greets? I'm, I'm trying to see. Actually, I reached out to their people. So, okay. fingers crossed, I will let you know if I hear anything. Yes, I think that we'll have to make that happen, for sure. Mm-hmm. For uh, Roger's review, below the bell show, click on this, all the outlets, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, okay, so that's that's This Is Us. Okay, it's come to an end. Of course, the opening promo that we played at the beginning of the show, Allie, was John Huertas, who plays Miguel, which, uh, oh, was, an, which was an awesome interview for us to have. And as yes, you, and Rebecca on the show, mm-hmm. Miguel. What's, so. what's great is when we interviewed him, we actually talked about, um, you know, hoping that we were going to get Miguel's backstory. And he was talking about how, you know, he's really hoping for that episode. So I'm really excited that I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really excited to finally watch it, seeing finally. and hearing about Miguel's whole backstory and things like that. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll be one to watch for sure. Um, other network television on NBC includes some news on The Voice, a show that I think Siren's uh, auditioned for, right? Yeah. <laughs> have you auditioned for The Voice? I think you have, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't talk about it. <laughs> every, time, every time I went to go audition 
for some reason, something would happen where I couldn't get there. <laughs> like hmm. every single time. I did it three times. The last time was I actually made it in there, but they were looking for something specific. So, oh, you actually made it in there once at least. You were actually at least given that chance at least. Yeah, the first time I went there, I got to the door and my voice was totally gone. Oh, that's the right. second time I um went to because I was gonna catch the the bus. I was gonna catch like the boat to Pennsylvania when it was in wasn't when it was in Philly. And I got to the bus stop, the Philly bus stop, but that one was shut down and it was at the bus stop around the mall. So I missed my bus. Damn. Like, you know what? Maybe I'm just not maybe this is just not for me. <laughs> maybe I'm just not gonna do this anymore. Oh man, that's like maybe two fourth signs. time a charm. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, third third thir- thir- Allie's right. Third third time's a charm, Siren. Give her one more shot. I'm more of a Broadway chick myself. I think I might just go for Broadway. I think Broadway's your calling, girl. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna just go for Broadway. <laughs> I think you should. I think you mm-hmm. should. But news on the voice is that uh let's see, uh now, Kelly Clarkson's uh, walking away, first of all, and uh, Camila Cabello will, will be replacing her uh, as a judge for the 22nd uh, season. And also Gwen Stefani announced that she'll be back on as a coach of the upcoming season of The Voice. So you'll have, yeah, Gwen Stefani, you'll have um, Camila Cabello. So, uh, yeah. And, of course, Blake Shelton. Clarkson is a busy little girl. She has her hands but she has her hands. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. the, the original she, American she, Idol. And she's a full-time mom. So yeah. she can't, uh, like, when she she can't have it, when nobody can watch her kids, <laughs> she'll just get a cozy. I'm like, oh, you know, she had to go do some mom stuff. It's, I love her. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. So number 18 is uh, celebrity gossip news. So this is a little bit of controversial, but one of the producers of Rust still wants the movie to to finish and 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 be put out there and i the only way i think this is possible is if you get the blessing from the family of lena hutchins if you do not have the blessing of lena hutchins you do not put out this fucking movie that's just mm-hmm. an horrible taste a woman a mother was killed uh, on set by complete fucking negligence and Angel Nijem, who is one of the producers, said in an interview, we're confident we'll, we'll be able to complete the movie. This was um, um, an interview he did ahead of the Cannes Film Festival. He said it was a horrible tragedy. He did say, obviously, there will be people out there who will have a negative perspective, but we're confident about continuing to make quality movies. And, of course, he's on Baldwin's side, Alec Baldwin's, because he launched a new production company called Persona Entertainment with Alec Baldwin. And they're shopping a feature project called uh, False Awakening. And as you know, the investigation's still going on. And, um, you know, the family of Alina Hutchins has sued Baldwin and and the producers and the film. Um, You know. It shouldn't continue being made. It's just. Um, And just like the crew, like it was a horrible set to begin with. Like they had two other guns go off prior to her getting shot and killed. There were two other guns that went off by mistake previously. And the crew, like, they ended up walking off set the day that she was killed um, mm. because of the poor mistreatment on set um, and the horrible work conditions. And that's why they had two other people come on to um, that weren't um, 
that took over for, I guess, like checking um, the weapons and things yeah. like that, making sure they're not loaded. And That's I know the, the armor's responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the one girl is like the daughter of like a very famous armor. That's right. But she had like she had her previous film. She also like did something where she messed up and so like the whole set like the whole like it this is the rule very like independent films should not have real guns on set no and you have to have a big budget you have to have the right people inspecting those mm -hmm. any weapons people's lives are more important than than any film any like anything that includes crew yes like everyone on set's lives are more important and it just makes me sad to see like yeah um all right also celebrity gossip now neil patrick harris getting some heat for a resurfaced image from a halloween party that he hosted 11 years ago he made a buffet platter uh look like amy winehouse's corpse so amy winehouse had just passed away and basically he had like beef ribs pulled pork sausage spicy barbecue in the form of like Amy Winehouse. Um, I, I haven't heard of a more appalling thing in a long time. And I had a lot of respect for Neil Patrick Harris, but man, yeah, that's... after seeing this photo um, resurface, it's just. I now haven't he... heard about that. Yeah. Why yeah. would he do that's that? That's not okay. What? Yeah. Well, he explains. As a person? He apologized, of course, because it's, I mean, it was 11 years ago. So it was. do something like that. He said, a photo recently resurfaced from a Halloween theme party my husband and I hosted 11 years ago. Amy Winehouse was a once-in-a-generation talent. I'm very sorry for any hurt the image caused. And people thought it was disturbing and cruel. Yeah, that's extremely disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I saw the image and it's, yeah, it's completely, utterly, utterly appalling. Um. Number 19, um, this is really disturbing Me Too news. Um, it's an actress named Zara Pythian. She's a martial arts stunt person and actress who appeared in 2016's Doctor Strange. This sentence eight years in prison for uh, after being found guilty of sex abusing a 15-year-old girl. And um, I know a few of you are, are parents in, in the virtual room, and this uh, is a really, really, really just disturbing and, and appalling and disgusting. Um, apparently her and her husband, uh, who's 59, right, um, groomed the young girl uh, when she was uh, an early age. Um, and, uh, and yes, uh, rightfully so, they were convicted for the 14 charges of, of, of sexual activity with a child uh, in the years 20, uh, 2005 and 2008 when the girl was 13 years old. Um, she's obviously now an adult. Um, and yeah, so uh, she didn't have a big role, Zara, in in the doc, the first Doctor Strange movie, but she did a lot of stunts. Um, and yeah, it's it's super super appalling. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, the victim basically what looked up to Zara because they were working, they 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 were her martial arts instructors, you know, at the time, and uh, apparently they gave her alcohol. And dared to perform oral sex on mm. Mark, the guy. And then they all started having sex. I read that yesterday. Yeah. Jeez. Really mm. fucking disturbing. 
It's really sad. And number 20 on my list is the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. Just some more <laughs> things that arose from this craziness, this circus, which is happening in Fairfax, Virginia. Now, Dean, were you ever tempted to go to the Fairfax courthouse to maybe get in? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no, especially since I remember hearing a few weeks ago. Yeah. That the judge had put a gag rule that they were not allowed to um, approach any fans, give any oh, autographs, right. or sign for photos. So You're right. Nah, I'm good. As much as I want <laughs> to go see that craziness, I'd rather for <laughs> doing real news, not, oh my gosh, I got to follow these two for the next seven weeks of my life and skip out on the red carpets and the conventions and the interviews. So I'm good. <laughs> well, some really interesting things have arose from the trial. Um, but this is a news bit associated with Don- Johnny Depp that we'll start out with. So Jerry Bruckheimer reminded fans in a recent interview that the future of the franchise of Pirates of the Caribbean does not include Johnny Depp currently. Um, apparently, they're now talking to Margot Robbie. Margot mm-hmm. Robbie, could she take the place of Jack Sparrow? I love Margot Robbie. I think she's amazing. Um, I don't know if she'll be the title pirate character, but uh, when asked about Johnny Depp, they said not at this point. The future is yet to be decided. Mm. As, soon as, so he as, wins, you, as soon as he comes out of the courtroom, I'm going to get all his stuff back. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, he was supposed to get a $22.5 million payday for the movie. I know he's suing for $50 million, and that's roughly half of uh, – of what he's requesting, um, you know, in in that. And uh, interesting enough, Amber Heard admitted during her testimony that her role, she has, she's been negatively impacted uh, from, you know, the accusations as mm-hmm. apparently her role in Aquaman, the, the sequel that she plays Mara, has been edited. Uh, there was supposed to be a longer fight scene that she's supposed to have. And, um, yeah, apparently, uh, initially they didn't want to include her at all. Um, but she was able to fight and, you know, I guess, you know, argue with the producers that she should be included in the film. They agreed to it, I guess, because this is before all this craziness has happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Mara is a very important character in, in Aquaman. So, uh, and apparently Aquaman is a, supposedly a three-pitcher option. Um, so um, we will see. But, yeah, I guess, yeah. She's going to be having to, between her and Ezra Miller, DC's be got lots some of problems. No. Yeah. They've got some huge problems. really need problems. help. Ezra Miller like, is a loose cannon. I think he has mental illness. I think so. Who just starts random sure. fights? Knowing that, you know, uh, the level of celebrity you are, you're playing The Flash, the most most popular DC characters, and you're getting into all these bar fights, you're spitting in people's faces, and there's a video of his arrest online, and he's like saying, I am gay, and I am transgender, and I shouldn't have people, um, a male cop searching me, and... And then, you know, they took all his belongings, they put all, like, uh, he has a a ring, I guess a very pricey ring with a Flash logo, and he's like, oh, don't you touch my ring! That flash ring is very important. I saw the video. It was just, I just, he's, he's just so far gone. I mean, this is, there's just been, now there's three different incidents, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and Amber Heard, I mean, my gosh. So some of the things that they were talking about in the trial, just 
at first I was like, oh, wow, you know, they're really painting Johnny in a negative light about his, his, his past cocaine use and uh, with, with Paul Bettany and Marilyn Manson. And, and you know, of course, uh, him, you know, bashing cabinets and glasses and stuff. But he still claims never touched, never touched or abused Amber Heard. And um, just some new um, just some new revelations from the testimony include Amber apparently um, said that she was hit by Johnny at several occasions. And he showed photos at red carpet events where you saw no evidence of any injury to her face. And, you know, the, the dates of these events are stamped to, you know, to coincide with the dates of the alleged abuse. And that's not really helping her favor uh, right now. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, it's not looking good for her. No. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, I, I see more of her testimony. It's really not looking good for her at all. Um, you know, and apparently, like, Johnny assaulted her and, and always wears rings on his finger. So, you know, if you're going to get punched by rings or any jewelry in your hand, you're going to bleed. You're not going to... I mean, you're going to, you know, you're not going to get just simple bruises, which. Did she really chop his finger off? Yes. Yes, that was. <laughs> she did. Of a bottle, a vodka bottle. <laughs> yes. Being thrown at Johnny Depp and just completely just severing the tip of his finger. And, uh, and that's the thing, like men can get emotionally and physically abused as well. And yeah. I feel like it's. Like a double, like I feel like, and a double standard. It's a double standard, and I feel like anyone that's getting a physically or emotionally abused by, you know, someone that, that like, it should be taken seriously, regardless that she's a woman or if she's smaller than him. It doesn't matter she's when she's yeah. like, it doesn't matter how, what sizes people are, when it comes down to it, like men can be abused just as much as um, women can. Yep, that that's the, exactly what it is. But more of it. Depp testified that Hurt was the one who abused him. Mm-hmm. That he would typically flee whenever their confrontations got physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that sort. And uh, another thing that I saw on today's testimony is is um, Amber getting into an elevator with James Franco. Yeah, I saw and, that. And, you know, they were married at the time. You know, so. This it's not a good look if uh you know um I guess I mean obviously it's defamation it's not adultery uh the case but still it doesn't doesn't paint her in a positive light as a victim that she's cheating. Yeah, shout out to Johnny's lawyer for that cross examination mm-hmm. on Amber for that uh did you guys see that? Which particular I saw a little instance? bit. I need to like watch all of it, but I saw a I've little been following bit. Of it. It. Which one are you alluding to, Siren? Talking about the one where she showed the video of 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 her and uh, James Franco in the elevator together. Oh, right. And Amber was about to lose her mind, and she was like, uh, "Do you remember being in the?" Uh, oh, right. That, know, yeah. And then she's like, "Do you know what time it was?" Right. Do you know what time it was? It was 11 p.m. And she, <laughs> and she was like, "No, I do not recall." Well, let's roll the tape back and see what time it was. <laughs> And she did it like five times. Well, let's go back and yeah. watch it one more time. She was a bitch. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Camille Vasquez, <laughs> uh, Depp's attorney, was the one that was presenting a series of photos that her had taken um, shortly after the uh, alleged incidents of violence. And she's a tough chick, man. She, mm-hmm. She's, yeah. uh, she's uh, to... constantly, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, objection, objection, you know, hearsay, hearsay. <laughs> she's really like voicing her. Uh, and she, I mean, Johnny's got a good team. I, I got to admit. Um, and, um, you know, Vasquez also asked about Hertz claim that she had donated her $7 million divorce settlement to two charities. Oh, I did. I did see that exchange. Yeah. And also her link to Elon Musk is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, who uh, Amber had dated after her split with Depp. Um, <laughs> and let's talk about the dog shit. So the and now famous done. fecal incident um, was talked about. And uh, when Amber had, uh, was, you know, they initially talked about it, you know, when, when Johnny was on the stand, but now with Amber on the stand, she said, first of all, I don't think it's funny. She says, I'm not in a pranking mood. My life was falling apart. Bullshit. And, uh, she talked about the dog's, the dog Boo, who's been struggling with bowel control issues since he was a puppy, and probably ingested Johnny's bag of weed. Um, <laughs> and these are Yorkshire Terriers. Um, if anyone has a a, a, a toy dog, you know, one of those toy puppies, you know, small little dogs, their poops, their shits are nowhere near the size of human fecal matter. So. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. And the thing is, like, Amber's still blaming it on the dog, which is hysterical. <laughs> it was a dog. It was a dog, you know? But one thing that she's also doing is <laughs> she's – she well, one thing that she also did was talk about a – talked about a prank that went wrong when she went to Coachella. And she really didn't have a response to that when they brought that up when she was talking about the prank gone wrong. So I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's funny because uh, Chris Rock actually uh, said the following joke. Believe all women, believe all women except Amber Heard. Um, the comedian grilled Amber for allegedly defecating on Johnny Depp's bed. <laughs> side of the bed. That is. Um. <laughs> and it's such a like, what pisses me off about Amber Heard is like, mm-hmm. it's gonna like, um, like all the women that actually have been abused and things yes. like that, like. Mm-hmm. It's it just makes me it's angry. It's a Jussie Smollett situation. Mm-hmm. Juicy Smollett. Juicy Smollett. <laughs> Juicy Smollett. Yes, it is. So, uh, uh, Dean, you, you've been a little quiet on the uh, Amber and uh, Johnny case. Do you have an opinion, or is this something that you'd rather not not chime in on? Oh no, it's just um also no, I just got um email from my colleague adding pictures from yesterday. So that's my focus on. I really not much for following up the court case so it's like <laughs> <laughs> and we still have more until uh right before memorial day oh, oh Lord. wow <laughs> so if you want to i think before the the yeah the case finally ends and but i'm curious to see uh how it all unfolds and what what will what will the judges decide uh, what will the jury and the uh and the judge's decision what will mm-hmm. happen so and i know tuned. i heard that like one of her like sexually assault stories was actually her assistant's story um, that she stole. Um, which it's not looking good for her. The more I'm, more I'm seeing her her testimony, so mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see what happens. All right, we're almost done here uh, on BTB. Um, Naomi Judd, um, some some sad news. It goes in the rest in peace news. Um, she had died a few weeks ago, but her, um, now we know the cause though. We didn't know the cause initially, but her, her daughter Ashley Judd said she lost her mother to, uh, the disease of mental illness and that she took her own life, um, with a gunshot wound. Um, 
that is super tragic. Um, Naomi Judd, of course, part of the the famous country duo with her daughter Winona Judd, and of course um, Ashley Judd, actress, um, one of uh, Naomi Judd's daughters. Um, yeah, talked about it, and uh, yeah, very very sad. They actually um, had a a special on CMT called Naomi Judd: A River of Time Celebration Tribute. Um, where other country stars and celebrities um, you know, went to to honor uh, honor the life of, of Naomi Judd. Um, we also lost Fred Ward, a yes. prolific character oh, actor man. for starring roles in Tremors, The Right Stuff, True Detective, okay. uh, very recently in the second season. The last, they get gun film. They get gun. Mm-hmm. The final film. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, there yeah. you go. So they went in that one. Right. Yeah. No Cosby Williams though. too. Raymond Williams. Raymond Williams as well. We don't know. They didn't. Um. They didn't reveal the cause of death yet. No, um, they haven't yet. You said he yeah. was seventy nine. He was seventy nine. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. You know, he's certainly um veteran actor. And of course, um, just breaking is Marnie Schulenberg, known for roles in As the World Turns, the reboot of One Life to Live, also the young age of thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Um died sadly of breast cancer and of course this is not entertainment related but this really breaks my heart that we still have mass shootings and um and in buffalo new york um 10 people were killed in a completely horrific um just senseless act of violence so i just wanted to um i know it's not entertainment related but uh no but it's so we have to we have to mention it be sad especially Mm -hmm. it's still An epidemic, unfortunately, in the country. Yeah. And um, some of the names, um, as we honor those that had sadly been killed, um, 11 of the victims were African-American, two of them were white, and four of the victims were still employees. Um, Three had been injured, two have been treated um, and released from the hospital. One remains in critical condition, but the following had passed away, including Aaron Salter, uh, the store security guard, Ruth Whitfield, former uh, Buffalo Fire Commissioner. Pearly Young, she was just shopping for groceries, 77. Catherine Massey at 72, also um, a, 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 a frequent shopper of that particular grocery store. Deacon Hayward Patterson, a deacon, guys, a man of faith. Uh, Celestine Cheney, a granddaughter of Celestine Cheney. Uh, a cancer survivor, Roberta Drury, um, Margus, Margus Morrison, Andrew McNeil, Geraldine Talley. Um, so um, our thoughts are with uh, those who have passed away from a senseless shooting. And uh, and it, it, it's uh, the gunman, Peyton Gendron, 18 years old, 18 years old, man, a kid. Just, just, just went, drove hours to the store and just, just, just gunned down all these people. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, um, something to relate to that earlier today, the House of Representatives they voted to pass a bill that's aimed at preventing domestic terrorism and combating the threat of violent extremism by white supremacists. It passed 222 to 203, and hopefully Senate will pass it. But given the state of country and the way it has been. Due to the, God, I'm trying not to tear up, ongoing shootings that has happened within the last two decades alone. 
So we'll see if this goes you know. Senate passed, but the House have passed it this today. And it's called the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act of 2022, in case anyone wants to know. Okay. Wow, that's really good. Um, really good to know. Um, but I wanted to end on a, a happier note. Um, yeah. Because uh, as we end BTV, and uh, every week we come up with topics, and I thought this would be a fun topic to end the show with because I don't want to be, be sad uh, on the show. Um, they recently announced that Mexican pizza is returning to Taco Bell. <laughs> which is a really delight for those of us talk about for the past two years so i wanted to go around the room what is your favorite junk food fast food guilty pleasure junk food fast food guilty pleasure and mexican pizza is definitely one of mine but i got a couple more and i was curious these are things that we like to indulge in maybe not the best for us health wise but if we're in a rush we got to be somewhere we got to go get these what is it ali das let's start with you um, my favorite, um, I guess, like, I love Chipotle, but Chipotle is not, too, I don't think it's too, too it's bad super for unhealthy, you. but it's still technically um, fast food, right? Yeah. Um, but my favorite, like, indulgence is I'm, obs- I love ice cream. Like, ice cream is my weakness. I yes. love ice cream. And then yes. my other favorite is popcorn and raisinets together. Oh, mm, oh wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, okay. Siren the Entertainer, what's up with you? Well, I'm definitely a Taco Bell girl. I always get the um, the meal with the um, with the burrito supreme with no beans, extra beef, and extra red sauce. And I make sure I get extra red sauce on everything that I do. And my guilt, like my the the nastiest thing that I eat that I love to eat. That I shouldn't be eating. That I'm. Oh, that I'm very proud of myself that I've stopped eating. As like, some I used to eat it so much. I love chitlins. Oh, mm. I mean that's a, that's a south southern thing. But uh, give, me, give me some chitlins, some pig feet. That's, that's some soul food, girl. No doubt. No and doubt. My, my blood pressure can't take it no more. Okay. Yeah, that's but, why I gave up a and, lot of pork and beef. Yeah. My mouth all watering. <laughs> <laughs> Rogers, do you have a favorite indulgent fast food? You like to run? Um, indulgence. Um, I'm gonna do the fast food first. That's I've been liking it since I was a child, and is no way I can escape it. Is the chicken nuggets from McDonald's? Really? Okay. Yes. Barbecue yep. sauce. Okay. I think I eat so many of them. It's crazy. I'm I'm surprised I'm not chicken by now. But <laughs> I must oh always have. I must always have. Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, those oh, are good. Yeah. No matter if they're dark chocolate or white chocolate or Ooh, regular yeah. chocolate Heck or they're yeah. in that friendly Sunday, I must have a Reese's peanut butter every week. I love it. That's it's a good one. I eat their Reese's out of their Halloween candy, man. That's the first oh, thing man. that comes to me. That and the Smarties. Oh, the Smarties. Oh, that's yeah. Smarties. Yes, yes. Forgot about those. Nice, <laughs> nice. Everyone did a candy and everyone did a savory, mm-hmm. so I guess I'll. I'll do I the also, same thing. Oh, yeah, let's hear yours. Yeah, well, well, that's I kind of the segue is Mexican pizza. That is my – you don't understand how excited I was to hear that Mexican pizza was coming mm-hmm. in. <laughs> I was obsessed it's, with Mexican pizza when I was year, little. Two-year absence that we have not had. Wow. Now, because I've given up pork and, and, uh, and beef, I opt for either chicken or I'll just do it with the beans. But a little hack that I do at home is to add fresh avocado. Ooh, I love uh, avocado. And avocado. it's just 
it just it's a it's an incredible hack that just makes it tenfold more delicious and uh god damn it those popeyes (laughs) chicken sandwiches when people were shooting each other over that damn sandwich and i gotta admit insane that sandwich is bomb i'm sorry it's better (laughs) chick-fil-a better than kfc better royal farms it's it's (laughs) i don't know what it is man but that chicken sandwich is just it's funny like the other fast food that i used to be a huge fan of was um wendy's burgers but ever since september i have not eaten another burger because of, <laughs> of the e coli uh yes. issue that and you being hospitalized hospital. and i'm oh, still yeah. fucking recovering from it <laughs> you see oh. that's the thing so, that's why i gave up pork and peas to myself it's crazy <laughs> oh god is it because of me well no, well no not not because of you but it definitely didn't add to it <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> you know um and and as far as the sweet um, medium rare cheeseburger so oh okay um, make sure you get a burger cooked very well so you don't end up um in the hospital for okay. two weeks with Ugh. craziness you, know what? <laughs> you mentioned ice cream alley and ice cream is mine but specifically those goddamn soft serve ice cream trucks Ooh, oh yeah, yeah, those are good. I fucking yeah. love soft serve. Kyle, do you I have um? I don't you know, know what it is about soft serve. It's just you run, you chase the the, the thing yeah. down the street with a little kid. <laughs> ice cream man. Al, have you had ube ice cream? Ube ice cream. That's Allie, my you know, favorite. Ali, there was it's a ube. If you don't know, guys, is a Filipino um yam. It's a purple mm-hmm. yam. Oh. And it's fucking delicious. It's amazing. And they incorporated a lot of desserts in the Philippines, and you can make ubi flavored ice cream. It's the best mm. ice cream, and, and it's especially ever... good on top of Halo Halo. Right, exactly. So if you <laughs> ever see it on a menu, get it. Um, in fact, I went to the Trifecta Food Truck Festival. They had ubi soft serve. <gasps> Literally, I was in heaven because it's soft serve ice cream, one of my favorite, and then you did the ubi flavor. Oh, that's amazing freaking amazing and i know they're not paying us but be more licks in baltimore has some of the best ice cream i've ever had because they have seems like over 50 flavors of soft serve if you think yeah. about it most places only have chocolate vanilla and mm-hmm. swirl how mm-hmm. many they have freaking uh, butter pecan freaking oh. uh, they have white chocolate mousse like all these different uh, eggnog <laughs> like all these different flavors of soft serve Oh my god, this place is Ugh. fucking amazing. Soft serve ice cream now. <laughs> soft serve ice cream. I know people okay, like now it makes me want to go to Baltimore and try this place out. <laughs> Gotta try it, bro. What is it called uh, again? Be more licks. It sounds naughty, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. is, that, <laughs> is that down in Fells? Be more licks. Is that down there in Fells? Is that the one it's, in Fells? No, it's not in Fells. I think you, you might be thinking of the gelato joint, but no, it's yeah, in, on Eastern Avenue. It's near Patterson Park in Baltimore. More licks. Okay. Be more licks. Be more licks. Okay. Be, more Be more licks, licks is but amazing. But Ian says that they, that they have the ube ice cream at Baskin Robbins. What? Do they? That's what it says. Ube Baskin ice cream. Robbins has They're, ube. I'm going no to Baskin way. Robbins. You're kidding me. That's what it says. Is it, you know what? It might be for Asian uh, America Pacific Islander uh, month. I better get. It says I did not know that. taking it away. Asian I will be stopping by. Because ube ice cream is so ex- and it's so expensive if you get it at the Filipino store. 
Mm-hmm. So whenever I go with my oh, mom, yeah. she always buys me a tub of twelve dollars a gallon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go yeah, with my mom, Street Bel Air Road and Java. Yeah. We have it. I want to try it. Now. So excited about this now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course, we always end with celebrity birthdays. So celebrity shout-outs for another year on the Sun includes actor Chow Yun Fat from Anna and yes. the King, Replacement Killers. Oh yes. Um, Tina Fey from Saturday Night Live, Thirty Rock, is 52. Jack Johnson, musician, is 47. Alan Leach from Downton Abbey. There you go. It's 41. And Violet Bean from God Friended Me. She was in The Flash. Um, and she's uh, very naked in the the leftovers uh, HBO so show. If, uh, sorry, I had to throw in the uh, <laughs> the pervy comedy. <laughs> it's below the belt show, guys. Come on now. Uh, and um, we have an incredible interview that we're going to be including in post. Uh, myself, Dean Rogers, we will be conducting an interview with the Mandalorian star Emily Swallow, who plays the armorer. Uh, this is really exciting. It's our second um, interview with us, um, but her first time on the B2B virtual format. We had her at WNBC Studios for season one. Um, she's going to be a part of the big Star Wars celebration convention happening. And uh, sadly, I wish I could make it. It's happening Memorial Day weekend in Anaheim. And um, if you're a Star Wars fan, I highly implore you to check out um, a Star Wars celebration if you can, because I had one of the most incredible times in 2017 when I saw John Williams perform um, the score for star Wars, you know, at one of the panels, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, yeah, star Wars celebration, definitely one of my favorites. And Simon, didn't you tell me your, your own grandmother went to star Wars celebration? Oh yeah. They go as, as often as they possibly can. They usually go to the one in a, uh... Orlando. They go to the one in California. They go to the one in Orlando. They always go. They come back. They have pitched so many pictures with uh, castmates, and I read. You know. You don't I, go. You don't go with your grandma. You, you got. You got to go next time with her. All right. Tell, tell her I sent <laughs> you. There's something going on. Al sort of said, "I got to join you Star Wars celebration." All right. Yeah. And then I'll I'll, I'll broadcast live. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect, man. Wow. This is an incredible show from top to bottom. We'd like to thank, of course, this amazing panel. Uh, Siren the Entertainer Davis, thank you so much. Thanks for having uh, me, man. Suburbanplayers.com, right? The official yeah, website. Suburbanplayers.com. Um, get your tickets there. Um, give Eleni a call. She'll, uh, she'll hook you up with whatever seat you want, you know. But the tickets are going fast. The whole first week All is right. sold out. Well, we got it. Awesome. Oh, wow. Congrats on selling out. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome, Siren. I mean, it's a great show. It's a great show. Awesome. And I'm so, I'm so honored to be chosen to be, you know, a part of this amazing cast. The cast is great. Awesome. I'd like to thank, of course, from the Rogers Review, the incredible Dean Rogers. Well, it's been another great show. And don't forget to check us out online, the Rogers Review, R-E-V-U-E.com. We're going to have our um, take on the red carpet for Downton. We got nice. some interviews coming up. Yes. And we also also covered the uh, gala, which the lovely, the talented, the comedian, 
that is Carol Burnett was honored on Monday. Wow, legend. Yes, and have, yeah, in fact, here's a fun fact for you. Um, Since the Stephen Sondheim Award's been given out by Signature Theater um, in Arlington, Sondheim picked her, and that was his final pick before he died for that honors. Wow. Yeah. And seeing Randy Rainbow and her friend of 55 plus years, Bernadette Peters and Santino Fontana to pay tribute to Carol. Oh, my gosh. She's still funny at 89. She is still. You don't lose that part of you. Yes. (laughs) You don't lose that part of you. We could have learned that from Betty White. Yeah. I know. Betty White. Ali Dash, voice actress extraordinaire, talent. Any other upcoming projects that we can hear your amazing voice for voice talent coming up? Um, not anything like where you'll hear. Um, it's usually I'm like blanking on the last couple ones I've done. Um, it's usually like commercials for um, different things. Um, but <laughs> well, when you remember, uh, but them, nothing you can... like it's usually in different states or um, a lot okay. of times like I'll scour the internet to find some of my clips and things like that. Um, but you gotta scour the internet because you're all over the all over the internet, <laughs> aren't you? And I gotta Other remind you guys probably hear hear my voice more. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just it's another not plug. Usually for businesses in Maryland, it's usually. Oh, in other states. <laughs> gotcha. Well, guys, 48hourfilm.com um, slash Ian slash Washington. Um, please, uh, if for those in the local DMV area, yours truly uh, is going to be a part of a great film called The House Guest, which will be in Group B, an all-Filipino cast, um, as I play uh, the uh, Chad Terry character, um, which was an essential character in the, um, as you know, 48-hour film project you get the character the um, genre the prop and the required line so that nobody's submitting old films right which makes sense you gotta and you put together a film you write it you shoot it you edit it and finish it all within 48 hours it's a heck of a process Uh, and the film has to be between four and eight minutes long but I tell you, it's an incredible team that I work with Francis Abbey uh, uh, of Cisco Virus Photo. Uh, sorry, Cisco Virus Pictures. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out uh, on the 48hourfilm.com website for um, the screening, which will be Group B on uh, May 26, 7 p.m., guys. So uh, yeah, support yours truly, Al Soto from Below the Belt Show and the rest of an amazing cast. Um, it's going to be a part of that festival. So it's pretty cool. All right. So thank you so much for everybody as on the panel. And of course, we're going to end tonight with our, with our post-recorded interview with Emily Swallow from the Mandalorian. That's going to be an amazing one. Dean, are you excited about this one? Cause we're actually going to be doing this in post. Especially since she is a native of Washington growing up in Sterling, Virginia, and she's now doing King there with, Yep. Papa Joe, Daddy, yep. Joe Morton. So, yeah, I'm very excited to <laughs> ask her about King Lear and yes. for a second time. So, I'm ready to go. For yes, yes. And of course, she was recently in the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, 
most likely maybe she'll let us know if she's in mando season three which we'll have to wait and see um but nonetheless guys it's an amazing show from top to bottom and on behalf of everybody on the panel we will see you guys next week until then peace Special interview time. We just play the Mandalorian theme music, of course, right? And it's hey, our second time. Sorry on to keep low- waiting. That's I quite get my, my uh, internet nope. connection to work. Nice. We're Same old story, huh? Nice. Yes, of course. We are so <laughs> happy to have on Below the Belt show for the second time on BTB. Actress extraordinaire, The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Supernatural, Castlevania. The list goes on and on. Emily Swallow. Good to have you back on BTB. So good to be here. Yes, yes. I'm I'm in the uh, Mando mood there. Got my uh, I love it. And uh, <laughs> pull over and uh, I'm on Tatooine right now. And uh, of course, I'm oh, joined by yeah. Dean Rogers as well. Uh, Emily, it's it's so great to have you back on BTB. Um, I know you got a lot of awesome stuff to talk about, but uh, if we could first talk about what you're in rehearsal for. Because you you are in a play, and uh, if we could talk about it in yeah. Los Angeles, yes. Yes, and I'm actually not in rehearsal anymore. We opened on Saturday. Not in rehearsal. Up and running now. Okay, yeah. so you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, well, we I, I, we are doing some rehearsals now because we have uh, understudies who are preparing, you know, in case they have to go in. So we're still doing rehearsals for that. I feel like our work is never done, but we have opened and we are performing. So. Um, so yeah, we we've gotten to have some audiences now, and it's been a lot of fun. That's right, King Lear in Los Angeles, yes. and uh, you'll be playing uh, Goneril. Um, Goneril, such a yes. beautiful name. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, right. Opposite <laughs> Joe Morton from Scandal. Yeah, that guy. Not too yeah. shabby. Yeah, especially since this is the second time you played against him. You played against him in Henry the Fourth Parts One and Two way back in 2008. So how does it feel to have that connection once again? He just keeps following me around. Now, um, I actually was in Henry the Fourth with him, but we never were on stage together. Um, wow. So it's really cool to actually get to work with him this time. He plays my father. And um, we don't have a terribly happy relationship. We fight just a little bit. And getting to go toe-to-toe with Joe Morton is unbelievable. In real life, he is absolutely warm and lovely and such an incredible actor. He's so generous. He's so, um, I mean, King Lear is just a beast of a role. It's, it's up there with, uh, it's like the granddaddy of Hamlet. Um, and he is just, it's such uh, an incredible thing to get to watch him work on that role and then to get to see him do it every night, sometimes two times a day when we have two performances. It's just a master class, master class in acting. So it's wow. been incredible. I'm loving it. 
Wow. And why is it so important for, for actors to return back to the stage if they're usually doing film and television? Why do you feel well, I, I don't know that it's important for every actor. I know for yeah. me, um, I love the rehearsal process of theater and I love I love that that it's not as rushed as TV and and a lot of film. I love that you have a rehearsal process where you're getting to work on a role gradually and you're getting to really collaborate with other actors in a way that you often don't have time to do when you're doing TV. And it really is about the acting process. You know, you're in a room for eight hours a day rehearsing a, um, a, a, a role. You're rehearsing these scenes over and over and over. You're getting to find a level of nuance that you just don't have time to find. And throughout the run of the play, you're getting to uncover things, you know, in week two or three or four of the the performance that you never even imagined when you were doing it in week one. And it's the kind of things that um, that you just never, I guess those kinds of things can be revealed when you're doing television and film, but it's more often, I think, things that are uncovered in the, the editing process. Um, you happen to discover them on a given take but you might not even realize it, you get lucky. Um, but to be able to find them and then to repeat them and to dig deeper and deeper, um, it's, a, it's a different different way of uncovering a character and uncovering a story. And I feel like I learn more as an actor when I'm doing theater. It's where uh, I really have to be focused and I really have to trust because it's not as much about discovering things in the moment and then, okay, I found that. I don't have to worry about that anymore and I can move on. It's it's mm -hmm. something that I have to repeat over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love, I love getting to collaborate with the other actors that way. Amazing, amazing. Well, let's talk about uh, you getting the call to reprise your role as the armor in, in Book of Boba Fett. Oh my god! Because uh, <laughs> I was watching season two, I didn't see the armor. I'm like, where is it? I know. Gonna... <laughs> I didn't. I heard myself a lot, and people kept. It's it's funny because there's still some people who they ask me about the Mandalorian, ask me about season two, and I say, oh well, no, I wasn't in season two, and they say, oh no, yes, you were. You were there, and I said, no, it really wasn't. People will swear that I was in season two, <laughs> yeah, but I, think I, you were mentioned. I definitely wasn't. I think you're mentioned. In, uh, I was the, mentioned, you hear my voice a few times, right? but yeah. I definitely did not get a paycheck for season two, so I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the call for Book of Boba Fett, and uh, how, how are you feeling at this point? Oh my gosh, it was, um, well, I was so excited, of course, yeah. because there's so much secrecy around these shows that you never yeah. know. They, they don't tell you in advance whether or right. not you're back, um, and it's just such a... Uh, you know, I have no reason to believe that they need to use me again. They have so many wonderful characters. They have so many storylines. Of course, I think the armor should be back, but what do I know? Um, so they called me and, uh, or they didn't call me. My agent told me that I'd gotten an offer to come back. And then, and then I got a script and I read that script and I said, what? Because there was so much lore that I was revealing. Yes. I had to get on a, a Zoom call with John and Dave and I said, okay, um, <laughs> you got to catch me up here because I know some, <laughs> of this, some of this is probably stuff that I'm supposed to know and that mm -hmm. the fans already know. And some of this, I think, is brand new information 
So catch me up to speed here. I want to be clear on like what we've already established in the canon. What is new information? You know, what what am I? Because I could tell this was some really important um, Star Wars dirt that I was going to be yes, revealing. Yes. Old, I should say, not dirt. Um, and they just walked me through all of it. And they told mm -hmm. me, you know, what if it had already been laid out? What if it was new stuff? What if it, they were like, mm, I don't know, we'll see. Um, which is always fun because they, they're geniuses and they're, they? they're and they're yeah. also like kids who are just in love with Star Wars. So it's amazing to me as they're writing these stories, mm -hmm. they do have some really solid ideas and, you know, things that they're, they're holding to as sort of the kernels of the, the story that they 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 know are true. And then there's other things that they sort of put out there and they say, mm, we don't really know where this is gonna go, we'll see. And then they might come back to it or they might not. And then um, there might be things that they've laid out there from like episodes before or seasons before. Right. And they say, oh, you know what? We said that a little while ago. Why don't we pick that up again? Um, and it's just lovely how, it, how some things are very deliberate and yeah. some things just, yeah. come back when they're supposed to and you see how oh yeah well of course that's supposed to happen and that character's <laughs> supposed to come back and this worked out mm -hmm. the way it was supposed to and um i mean my character originally was going to die at the end of season one she was going to sacrifice really? herself stormtroopers but clearly i'm glad they had other plans me too. <laughs> now, now, John Favreau's a super fan, and Dave Filoni is a super fan as well. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the one under the mask. Is Paz Vizsla, right? Was 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 well, was John under the mask? He was not wearing the suit. He was okay, the. He was not wearing the suit. Okay. No, but there is a wonderful, wonderful actor named Tate Fletcher who's under the who's in that ah. suit, and he is he deserves credit because he he was sweating it okay. out inside that suit. <laughs> John provided the voice. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. On, on your episode five of Book of Boba Fett, we we learned so much about the importance of the dark saber. Yeah, which, which is uh, such an integral part of the Mandalorian um, lore and the storyline. Of course, hopefully, be revisited in season three. And uh, and part of that lore is wearing um, the helmet and not being able to show your face. Uh, I was curious. Would you hope in future episodes uh, they would eventually want to show uh, the lovely? Person that is you <laughs> under the armor helmet, or do you prefer the mystique of of the you what know, the I I'm not attached either way because I'm sure if they did decide to show my face, it would be for a good reason. So you know, I leave that to them. Um, I used to really want to get to to take off my helmet, but now I I've really um, enjoyed that we don't know what she looks like because as i have gone out into the world of conventions and i've talked to yes. fans especially talking to women and little girls about this character i just appreciate so much that there's she's she's such a a strong character and she seems to inspire so many people um and she's such a sort of moral center um and that she carries this 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 power and this inspiration with her and then it has nothing to do with what she looks like and yeah i believe me you know being a, a woman in hollywood <laughs> i'm all too aware of what i look like and you know 
how I fit into certain types and how I get cast in certain roles or not cast in certain roles. And so to get to play this character who has become so beloved and to know that, that it has nothing to do with my looks is really wonderful. So I kind of like that we, we still don't know what she looks like under there. So I'm, I'm fine either way. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll get that answer in season three. You never know. Uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> we can't talk about season three. Um, but what? Huh? What show? I know, right? <laughs> I what wish we could. <laughs> but uh, you'll be reunited with some of your co-stars uh, in Anaheim uh, next weekend. Yes. Um, are you excited Very about excited. Star Wars Celebration, yes. which I had the pleasure of attending in 2017, and it's a must attend um convention for any star wars fan that's what um, i keep hearing i've never been and i i hear that i am in for the adventure of a lifetime yeah i mean just a few including yourself emily mandalorian stars carl weathers katie sackoff giancarlo esposito tamora morrison and carrie jones uh, uh chrysanthemum himself i was curious maybe out of those actors or maybe other actors i haven't mentioned is there anyone you would love to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Um, well, Giancarlo and I haven't gotten to work together. I actually never even met him until this past November. And I remember um, season one, way back in 2018, when I was filming my episodes, I, you know, I didn't know who else was on the show unless I worked with them. But I remember walking on to set one day um, or walking under the go, going to the studio lot and going to my dressing room. And on one of the dressing room doors, I saw Giancarlo's name and I freaked out because I just am such a fan of his work. I think he's phenomenal. As am I. Yes. But then I never saw him. He wasn't there that day. We didn't have any scenes together. I didn't meet him season one. I didn't meet him until November of 2021 when we were at a convention together. And so I've gotten to see him at conventions, but I have never gotten to work with him. And so I want there to be a Moff Gideon armorer showdown. Yes. <sighs> OMG. I think the fans would love to see that. Right. That yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. And it's fun to be talking with you, Emily, because you grew up in Sterling, Virginia, which is not too far from where I am, in Annandale, Virginia. You oh, were nice. born in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. And I got a two-part question. The first part question is, what is your favorite thing that you miss about the DMV, the Washington, D.C. metro area? What's What do you miss? I miss um, having such easy access to the Smithsonian and all of the national monuments. I mean, I remember as a kid just always taking the metro in and and like getting to go to the one of my earliest memories is of like the big blue whale at the Natural History Museum. Yes. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, get, getting to go do that as a casual day to day thing was so wonderful. And then I uh, we moved away when I was still in elementary school. But then I went back. Um, I went to college in Virginia, and then when I was in college, I had an internship at the State Department, and so I was living in D.C. for a summer, and I would just go running um, around, like, all of the monuments on the downtown mall and stuff, and, like, when that can just be a part of your everyday life, it's sort of, it's bizarre, because it's, there's beautiful buildings, um, 
and it's it's uh and we're we're such a relatively speaking we're such a young nation but to see yes. those buildings that are the seat of our of our government um fills you with a little bit of awe and it's it's a nice feeling it is a great feeling and since you've been an actress you played in the world of star wars and you played in the world of shakespeare do you feel there is an overlap between shakespeare and the star wars saga and we can add supernatural to the mix at the same time <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I think that that one of the reasons all of those stories appeal to us um, is because they tap into um, these universal myths and these universal struggles that we have, and these uh, these struggles that 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 just go with being human of fighting between. You know, we all have darkness in us. We all have light and good in us, mm -hmm. and we are always, I think, wanting to be better than we actually are and trying to reconcile those dark parts of us. Um, I think that that George Lucas was, I think that the reason that those stories still endure is because he wrote about the, um, you know, the hero's journey. And, and we all, no matter what we do, whether our work is something very mundane or something that seems more romantic or more glamorous, there's still that yearning for that um you know some sort of like hero's quest something mythical and archetypal and i think that we are all identify with those characters and i think that we saw i think that we saw that kind of thing in supernatural you know it came back to family and shakespeare especially king lear comes back to family and this um this version of the play that we're doing because we've actually cut some characters um, we've rearranged a few things and it really comes back to the the central family struggles in the play. And um, and Star Wars really comes back to family. I mean, people find out they're related Absolutely. when they have no idea. <laughs> um, and I think that that's I think that that's something that uh, that we can all relate to, whether it's our our given family, our, our origin family or it's our adopted family, you know, the family mm -hmm. that we create around us. Um, that's something that we're always contending with. We're always either struggling because we don't connect to our family or we're searching for another family or we're wanting better connection with our family. Um, those things are always there. So I think that that's, that's something that connects them for sure. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Shakespeare. I mean, like the Montagues, the Capulets, and in Star Wars, the Skywalkers and the Palpatines, you know, yeah. and, you know instead of swords, we have lightsabers. So it, there was a lot of parallels with Star Wars and Shakespeare, for sure. Definitely. I, I love that. That is really, really awesome. Um, so Star, going back to Star Wars Celebration, because, again, it's it's the biggest uh, Star Wars convention and it's it's brings so many fans. Um I was curious how you thought uh, on the, the fandom that that now that you're part of this universe. I mean, there are no more. I don't think there's any more more rabid fan base than Star Wars is what I'm trying to say. So uh, you have your own action figure, right? And, and pop yeah, figure, yeah. you know, things like that. <laughs> like, you know, uh, how does it feel to be just part of the fandom? It's I mean, there's no words to describe it. It is yeah. euphoric and it's. I wouldn't call it a rabid fandom because that sounds sort of scary to okay. me. I would call <laughs> yeah. it a very passionate, passionate, okay, and joyful <laughs> fandom. Mm -hmm. um, and it truly is joyful because uh, it 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 spans every generation. 
I love that it's something that families get to participate in together. You know, I have people my age that I went to school with who tell me that they're finally cool with their kids now because they know me. Um, so their kids think that they're awesome. And I feel that way too, because my nephews who are, uh, one of them is turning nine tomorrow and the other one is 10. Um, they, you know, this is the only thing I've ever done that they care about. Um, so I'm finally cool. <laughs> and it's just, it they is didn't something get Castlevania, that, I guess. <laughs> that, yeah, they're not really into Castlevania. Um, it's something that inspires so much creativity and mm. so much, um, so much generosity, you know, I'm, I, I didn't oh. know until I started doing the conventions about all of the work that the rebel legion and the 501st and the Mandalorian Merc do. Yes. Um, and I love that they're doing all this tremendous charity work while they're building all of their own costumes and they look incredible and just having so much fun. Um, it's just, it's amazing to me how all these people come together to do so much good while celebrating these stories. And it's a tremendous joy. And the fandom has been so welcoming. One of my favorite things now, every time I go to a convention is to go find, you know, the table for the, the various, uh, the 501st and the Mercs and the, the Rebel mm -hmm. Legion and get to meet them and take pictures and, and just get to know the community. So it's been a wild, wild ride. And I can't believe I get to be part of it. And have you seen any armor cosplayers? I have. Yes. Yeah. Um, Various ages. I've gotten to meet a few little girls dressed as armorers who are absolutely <laughs> adorable. I even have, um, I had uh, a fan who made me an armorer costume for my dog, which oh. is <laughs> the best. That is awesome. What kind of dog do you have? She is uh, half Boston Terrier, half French Bulldog. That must be the cutest thing on Instagram. Yeah, she's pretty and cute. An armor, and an armor cosplay. That's amazing. Well, yep. speaking of armor, if you had a chance to design your own armor in the universe of Star Wars, do you have a design in mind and what would it be? Oh, my gosh. I've never been asked that and I haven't thought about it. <laughs> I feel like I'm horribly unimaginative about these things compared to basically everyone mm -hmm. in the fandom. Mm -hmm. Um. I like my own armor so much. There's nothing wrong with that. Armor. You're the only uh, uh, Mandalorian with fur too, right? Yeah, which cracks me up because she's <laughs> it's like fire all the time, and she's like, "Yeah, I wear fur, so <laughs> I'm not scared." We've decided that she's either so confident in her forging skills that she's like daring the sparks to to hit her um or it comes from some non-flammable space creature so it's not going to catch fire but i kind of like the the first idea that she's just like yeah i dare you i dare you flames i dare you to touch me um and uh i like although i i you know when i i've gotten to see so many awesome cosplay ideas um, there was one that I saw that was like a a combination of uh, oh what two characters that there was like an uh, an alpine armorer or not armor an alpine Mandalorian that looked pretty cool so it had fur but it was like all white cool. and that was very stylish that's rad <laughs> I, like that. I, I love how practical it is but <laughs> that's awesome have you cosplayed yourself I never had. 
Okay. No, someone has offered to make me a set of my own armor, so maybe I should take them up on that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be absolutely tremendous. Now, an armor backstory. And what um, what would you like to see uh, if they were to explore a backstory for the armor in a future episode? Oh. Well, I kind of like that there's so much mystery. Although, okay. whenever people ask me what the armorer's name is, I usually say it's something like Pam or sue <laughs> something just very simple i think it'd be fun to just throw everybody for a loop and have her be really 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 simple i love it wow thank you so much emily and of course make sure for you los angelinos or beyond make sure you check out king lear at the wallace annenberg center for the performing arts uh, which shows uh from uh up until june 5th Right? Right. Awesome. And if you could, just for great time's sake, let us know who you are, Emily, your character, on the, and, and you're on Below the Belt Show. I'm playing Goneril and King Lear, and I am on Below the Belt Show. Awesome. Can we do one more and just say yeah. who, your name as well? Oh, sorry. So awesome. you want me to say my name, and I'm your, on Below the your Belt. Your claims to fames, uh, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and on okay. Below the Belt Show. I'm Emily Swallow. I play the armorer on The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, and I am on Below the Belt Show. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> All right, and we'll do a snapshot really quick on one, two, and smile. Emily and, of course, Rachel from PR Machine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sorry again for the delay. I'm glad that this right. May the force be with you, and this is the way. And thank you also for switching the, the times around. I know we had to do that a couple of times, and I appreciate it. Anything for a Mandalorian is all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> awesome. Take care. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Rachel. Okay. Bye. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain.